0: Well, what is up, all of our Liberty-loving friends? This is another fantastic episode of Liberty at Night with Nate and Charlie on the Free Talk Live network. And this hour of Free Talk Live is brought to you by Dash, digital cash. Dash is the cryptocurrency designed to be used for spending. Rising fees have made Bitcoin useless for purchases, but Dash continues to have Fees less than one cent per transaction and has implemented really cool features to ensure it's undefeated as the most useful cryptocurrency in the marketplace. From a technical standpoint, Dash transactions are irreversible and its network is protected from 51% attacks by their chain locks technology. There's no need to wait for a confirmation before considering the Dash transaction complete, so it's great for merchants. Dash is one of the oldest cryptocurrencies and is widely available on exchanges and in multi-crypto wallets. It's easy to get and use Dash. Start by learning more at Dash.org. And a big thanks to DashDAO for sending us 32 Dash per month to promote Dash on the air. Visit Dash.org to learn about Dash. dash, Dash.org. Today is episode 1107. Thank you for being here, or if you're listening on Liberty at Night, it's like episode 8. <laughs> something like that. Yeah. I don't know how long. I'll have to look and see how much dash we have in our account to know how many episodes. It took we've us done. a thousand episodes to get on the radio. There you go. Yeah. Everyone just do a thousand episodes, and you'll be on the radio too. We've got some <laughs> some things to talk about today. You know, Charlie. Yesterday, we uh we talked yesterday, and I had this weird moment happen where I started to feel like I was wrong <laughs> about something. Yeah. I don't know if you've ever felt that before. Um, Maybe once or twice in it, my life. We started to talk about this uh, Joe Biden versus Donald Trump thing, and we talked about the poll results showing that uh, Donald Trump was beating Biden and uh, also beating him in, in the uh, swing states, five out of the six swing states. And of course, as I've said several times, I just see no way that he's actually going to be able to win the election. And it turns out there is another poll from the New York, part of this part of this New York Times poll that ans- that asks a very important question that we forgot to ask yesterday. And the question is a serious question here: What would you do if Trump is convicted on some of these charges mm. that he has? Because he got a lot of criminal charges out there right now, like ninety-one of them out there. And so, would that change your vote? And it turns out people who said that they would not vote for Biden in the earlier polls, 6% of those people said that they would vote for Biden now. And this changes the results to Biden net 49%, Trump 39% if he gets convicted and puts Biden in the lead in every one of those states that we said Trump was winning in, If there ends up being a conviction. I don't think we can just brush off that part and say that it's not going to have any effect on anyone.
1: That's interesting. hmm So, so jailing your political opponents yes, works. It
0: does work. <laughs> We've created the incentive structure. Now we're going to follow South America's lead or whatever it is. And uh, China. That's, that's the new strategy. You yeah. just put your political opponents in jail <laughs> You charge them with a bunch of random things, probably a lot of things that you did too, but who cares? You just go ahead and charge them while you're in power and you won't have to worry about the whole re-election nonsense.
1: Amen. This is why... You see why it's so important. Why people... Well, this is the incentive for, uh, you know, governments to imprison their political
0: mm-hmm. opponents. This is why they do it and you see why it's so important that they're doing right now. you
1: still a free and fair election.
0: <laughs> Bailey said, <laughs> Bailey said, is this what freedom feels like? Mm-hmm. <laughs> it is. Yep.
1: it ain't is, free, man.
0: This, Charlie, you know what this is? Cost a buck five and a Republican in jail. There's a better word for this. It's called democracy. It's, I know. That's what it is. Yes. Biden is elections. protecting democracy with free and fair elections. Yeah. And you just jail your political opponent. Exactly. Beforehand. And mm-hmm. then the people decide. <laughs> Afterwards. Yeah. <laughs> okay. I had a random, uh, random nuanced conversation. You know how we talked about that shooter manifesto yesterday? Mm-hmm. Although technically it's a trans manifesto. But anyhow, uh, missed opportunity from yesterday. The Tranifesto, I Tranifesto, I think is the, the other. other. yeah. Tranifesto. Uh, this, I was listening to Morning Wire, which is a daily wire thing. I, I get some news from it on my drive over here in the morning. It's it's pretty cool. I Thanks, recommend ben. it. 15, 15 minutes and you get some news updates that are only slightly slanted to the right. It's not too bad. It's like listening to NPR, only done by the Daily Wire. But anyway, they have this policy. and th- It got me thinking. They have this policy where they don't name the shooter. They've been doing this for a while. And the, the idea is, it's a super annoying thing that they do because they'll publish like 100 articles about the shooting and do all these podcast episodes and everything, and do everything ex- except for, like, I'm not telling you the name. The anonymous the, the shooter. Person. They'll talk about it forever. Yeah. Like, you can't get the name anywhere else, but you still spend all this time learning about the, uh, learning about the shooter. And Of course they would dead name a tranny shooter. <laughs> <laughs> That's the Daily Wire for you. And so I was listening this morning, and they didn't, they, they didn't want to give the shooter's name, but they were talking about the manifesto. And it got me thinking, you know, this whole manifesto not being released. And I know everyone's been talking about how, oh, we need to get this released. Why is it that they're not releasing this thing? And we only got three pages from Steven Crowder. There's probably 100 pages in, in this thing and probably a video too. And we don't even know if, if Crowder cherry picked the page that had to do with uh, white privilege and, and fancy schools and stuff like that. There could be way more. Uh, and maybe we'll figure that out. It got me thinking. Okay, the idea with the Daily Wire is that you're not going to name the names because you don't want to give people notoriety, and you don't want to incentivize future shooters, right? Like you don't you don't want to make them famous, essentially, and you don't want to, uh, to incentivize, incentivize future people, right? Yeah. But what about the manifesto? It got me thinking about whether or not it was actually a good idea to release a shooter's manifesto because uh, there's this there's this movie I like, and it starts off with uh, this terrorist. Having this manifesto and and uh, they're wanting him to give over some information, and he says, "Oh well, if you read my manifesto on the air, then I'll give you whatever information you want." The important thing was getting this these ideas out there to the masses and sparking this revolution or or whatever you know. So, it got me thinking: is it actually a good thing to release this shooter's manifesto, or would that incentivize future people to say, "Well, I could write up a whole book of terrible ideas"? and the entire world would talk about it if I just go out and do some terrible enough things.
1: Initially, I'm always on the default of give as
0: much information as you can. Mm-hmm. I agree the with people, you. I, like, I agree it is get, information.
1: Yeah, people should get to know what
0: the truth is. But the, So this is just me. This is just me feeling weird about what the Daily Wire does because they won't name the name because they don't want to give the shooter any notice. I'm not telling you the name! But they do want to push for the manifesto to be released so we can all read what this person's thoughts were and everything, which to me just kind of defeats the entire purpose Mm. of that. It really just made me wonder whether or not it would be a good thing to release this person's crazy ideas out there to the world. I still agree with you that you want to have all the information and those things should be brought to light. You know, if that's what people are thinking, if this is the rationale behind why they do really terrible things that we need to know, we need to know as a society. You know, that's what, why police carry flashlights to bring things so they can bring things a light into the light. Exactly. Yeah. Well, they need to bring a flashlight onto this manifesto, I guess. I know. And, uh, it's get tra- it out tranifesto. there. So. trani <laughs> Trans-manifesto, I think is a pretty good one, too. I underline where they said the Daily Wire is not naming. Then they go on to read like all put out all the person's thoughts and beliefs. Like you can't do anything. I'm just trying to figure out what the heck they're actually trying to do. And someone just said it's their version of virtue signaling. I completely agree. I, I get so annoyed every time they do this. I'm trying to figure out what the idea is. Uh, hey, I got you talking about it. I'm sure, yeah, other people talk
1: about it. And just did. It's a shtick.
0: I did want to mention from yesterday. You know, we talked a lot about the class struggle session part of this, um, of this manifesto. And I, you know, after talking with some people on Twitter back and forth a little bit, it really was a lot of anti-white stuff as well, which is weird because, you know, she's white and also one of the guys that was killed was black. Uh, But there, there did seem to be a lot of anti-white hatred in this as well. And I just wonder what's going to be in the rest of the thing, you know? Well, White people are privileged. Oh, well, yeah. White people yeah. are rich. Do you think it has it, anything to do with what uh, has been going on in the country over the last few years, 10 years? Uh, you know?
1: I mean, I, I think you're naive if you don't <laughs> think that the BLM protests have anything to do with this.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Mm-hmm. Absolutely. You know? And then the, the whole black safe spaces and you're not allowed to talk certain parts of the campus if you're not black. The you entire
0: woke movement, you really. I,
1: you don't think whatever her name, White Fragility, that book. You yeah. know? Because here's the thing, she probably felt guilty as someone who went to this private school.
0: Yeah, white guilt.
1: She probably had some white guilt. So not mm-hmm. only did she want to take herself out, she wanted to take as many of these perpetrators of violence out with her.
0: Mm. Interesting.
1: She didn't want these privileged kids to grow up and perpetrate more violence on black people.
0: Well, have no fear, Charlie, because the guy who's yeah. currently... What's I don't. A, I don't want to name her name, the author's no, name. No, you don't want to say it. No,
1: Mm-mm. I'm not going to say it. Robin, yeah. Robin, I'm not going to tell your last name, Robin something.
0: No, no, we don't but want I to identify people like no. that.
1: I'm going to dead name these authors. <laughs>
0: <laughs> uh, it luckily, the guy who's winning in the polls currently for president has a way that we're going to fix these problems. You know, because uh, you see people go in the colleges; these college campuses are just nuts. These days, remember when me and you went and saw that "No Safe Spaces" mm-hmm. documentary? I feel like it's gotten way worse since then. With but Adam
1: Adam Carolla was pretty
0: crazy too. Yeah. Um, and so Trump has a plan to revolutionize higher education when he gets elected. Okay, and there's a video associated with this. We can read the description and then watch the video or watch the video and then read the description. Let's read it first
1: because the first one is hilarious. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm.
0: This is Trump's so, plan, the, the Republican... My plan! Nominee for president, probably. I have a plan,
1: a great plan. <clears throat> Create a free, federally funded online <laughs> university. Hold on. Yeah. A what? Create a free, federally funded... Or that could read a federally funded free <laughs> online university called American Academy. American Academy. The name matters.
0: But here's the thing it's American.
1: Trump already failed at one university. Yeah, this is
0: not, he doesn't have a great track record with no. this whole thing. In fact, you
1: know? I'm pretty sure he had to pay out some money yeah, for but the he, Trump University what failure. He,
0: what he didn't have was the sole authorization to use force over other people <laughs> <laughs> you know, yeah. to fund it for free. For free, exactly.
1: <laughs> um, he's going to ban wokeness and jihadism. Okay. Uh, allow credentials to be used to apply for government and federal contractor jobs. You know? Good, funnel, good. Funnel those good government workers mm-hmm. right through right the Right up to your free federally funded mm-hmm. school. Grant credit to students for past coursework. Tax large private university endowments like Harvard's to pay for the free school. <laughs> <laughs> this is free. But you, you know, Harvard, to- <laughs> you know, they've got billions of dollars invested in the stock market that they make a return on. Uh, that's their endowment there. Uh, just like any, but but just like most companies. Yeah,
0: are, well, I hate Harvard as much as the next guy, but if that's where people sent their money and that's where they wanted it to go and go into the school's endowment. Uh, now, these, these colleges deserve all the criticism in the world for how terrible they are, why they're so expensive when they're sitting on billions of dollars in endowments and putting, you know, bankrupting kids who are wanting to go to school there. Sure, that conversation needs to be had, but we're going to tax their endowments to pay for the free school. Mm -hmm. Okay. Okay.
1: Sue and fine institutions that fail to uphold free speech laws or encourage anti-Semitism quote, we spend more money on higher education than any other country. And yet they're turning our students into communist and terrorists and sympathizers of many, many different dimensions. We can't let this happen.
0: No, I, I agree. With what he just said, we spend a lot of money on higher education, and colleges are turning our students and the commies and terrorists, which is the same thing. You could have just said commies, and then <laughs> sympathizers of many, many different dimensions. Worse of them being communism, and saying that we uh, we can't let this happen. I, I would let the market decide. I would let the market figure that out. But, but then we, also,
1: he says, sue and fine institutions that fail to uphold free speech laws or encourage anti-Semitism, like you're free to be anti-Semitic. Mm-hmm. Now, I, obviously I, I morally disagree with that, but you're free mm. to, you're free to have pro-Palestine like free speech is still free speech. So how are you going to ban wokeness and jihadism, but then still stand up for free speech?
0: How are you going to ban wokeness and jihadism when one is this, uh, I, I won't say progressive, but it's really regressive or whatever, but this ultra progressive form of culture And jihadism, which is like an ultra-conservative form of a culture at the same time. And you're going to (laughs) find institutions that fail to uphold free speech laws at the same time. Free conservative speech.
1: (laughs) It's like, but Trump, see, Trump is smart, though, because he takes what all the people want to hear and he just lays them out in sentences. Yeah. And people don't care how he's logically going to get there. That doesn't matter because most people aren't actually almost everyone. No one's logical. (laughs) Hardly anyone, maybe the autistic community. (laughs) And that's about it. Everyone else. It's literally, it's emotions. Someone says something and you feel a certain way and you're like, yeah, I'm voting for that guy. Mm
0: -hmm. Cause he's going to, he's going to ban wokeness and promote free speech. My wife would respond (laughs) with, well, you're very emotional about thinking logically.
1: <laughs> I mean we are all we're all emotional but some people are emotionally intelligent mm-hmm. enough to be able to process <laughs> You wouldn't their know emotions, anything about that yeah to be able to process their emotions <laughs> logically and not just act on feelings
0: let's uh let's play the clip of Trump talking about this right quick that it's a problem because uh, what you'll see a lot in in this episode if we have time to run through everything that's in it today which we which we should really but You see, just a lot of contradictions all over the place. There's no core philosophy. There's Mm -hmm. no core logic to anything. We start. We talked about the Daily Wire thing, you know, where they don't want to name the shooter, but they want to make sure that that person's manifesto gets out there to the world. Like, which one is it? You don't want to help incentivize them. You do want to incentivize them. And then we're going to talk about uh, a couple things here in a second where nuance really matters in some of these conversations but what bothers me are these conservatives who hate wokeness they hate what's going on at the colleges uh they typically don't like big government unless they guys in control of it which we've seen but the main question is unless their cult leaders in control. Ameri- yeah american academy it listen y'all trump if he gets elected he's gonna have four years who runs american academy after that Is American Academy just going to be a free, federally funded communist academy where we streamline the commie process
3: through people? Straight to the government. You can't
0: guarantee me what this thing is going to be teaching. Hey, let's hear what Trump had to say about this.
3: Recent weeks, Americans have been horrified to see students and faculty at Harvard and other once respected universities expressing support for the savages and jihadists who attacked Israel. We spend more money on higher education than any other country, and yet, they're turning our students into communists and terrorists and sympathizers of many, many different dimensions. We can't let this happen. It's time to offer something dramatically different. Under the plan I'm announcing today, we will take the billions and billions of dollars that we will collect by taxing, fining, and suing excessively large private university endowments And we will then use that money to endow a new institution called the American Academy. Its mission will be to make a truly world-class education available to every American, free of charge, and do it without adding a single dime to the federal debt. This institution will gather an entire universe of the highest quality educational content covering the full spectrum of human knowledge and skills, and make that material available to every American citizen online for free. Whether you want lectures or ancient histories or an introduction to financial accounting or training in a skilled trade, the goal will be to deliver it and get it done properly. Using study groups, mentors, industry partnerships, and the latest breakthrough in computing. This will be a truly top tier education option for the people. It will be strictly non-political and there will be no wokeness or jihadism allowed. None of that's going to be allowed. <laughs> Most importantly, the American Academy will compete directly with the existing and very costly four-year university system by granting students degree credentials that the US government and all federal contractors will henceforth recognize. The Academy will award the full and complete equivalent of a bachelor's degree. In addition to help the 40 million Americans who have some college education but no degree, the American Academy will grant credit for past coursework at legacy institutions and give you the chance to complete your education at the American Academy for free and much more quickly than is now possible or available.
1: When are they going to figure out that this dude is a liberal Democrat from New York? And he's putting it right out in front, basically. Spends more money than any president in history. Now, of course, there was a pandemic, but still, he's he signed the bills. Mm-hmm. Okay? He spent the money. He he did not get to budget neutral like he promised. No. Okay? He said he
0: was going to erase the debt at one point in time. Right. We, we increased the <laughs> debt
1: massively. So he's a big spender. Always has been in his personal life as well as government life. Mm. Imagine being a billionaire and then having access to trillions, (laughs) you know? And then now he's coming out with, with free education
0: and we know that'll never work. It's so many. And when is anything run by
1: the government, a good thing?
0: First off? Yeah. That's, that's the point right there. What track record from the U S government do we have in knowing that they're going to put together this online, uh, college, that's going to be better than all of the other colleges out there that are for-profit, that's going to run on money, taxed out of other people's accounts. Well, listen, I, I try to not let my hatred for the Ivy League schools... Well, what happens when that money runs judgment. out? Yeah, no, it's they, they've got so much money. That's the other thing. How much money do they have? Uh, that's, that's something I want to know. Uh, we could probably Google that. How much money is in endowments? In the uh, whatever legacy college Ivy League, whatever you want to call it, really enough to do this? I mean, good lord, the Obamacare website cost two billion dollars. So how how are we going to tax the money that they have? And then, as libertarians, is it even right to tax the money that they have? No, because it's their money, and people gave it and people gave it to them. They left it to them when they you know when they kicked the bucket. They sent their money over there for whatever reason. They have these endowments, and that's what people freely did with their money.
1: Harvard University has $53 billion. Yale has $42 billion. University of Texas has $40 billion. Stanford, $38 billion. Princeton, $37 billion. The total endowment market value of U.S. institutions stood at $807 billion.
0: So let me, let me phrase it to you this way, a little differently. He's, I wonder what the Catholic Church is, but it's worldwide. He's doing a really good
1: job. Catholic Church has to be trillion, at least. Yeah, that's a lot. I know the Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, though, those, those Mormons, got a lot. I oh. know they're they're upwards of twenty, thirty, forty billion.
0: So he uh he frames this as targeting these colleges like Harvard who have all this money, and that's really smart because it triggers an emotion. And you're you know, you're like, Oh yeah, I hate those colleges. They shouldn't have that money. We should put this towards Trump University. Coming right up, we're gonna finish up this conversation and then get into a lot more stuff from this week on Liberty at Night. This hour of Free
2: Talk Live is brought to you by Dash, digital cash. Dash is the cryptocurrency designed to be used for spending. Tired of the ever-inflating U.S. dollar? You can live your life on Dash instead with some handy websites. BitRefill.com has been accepting Dash for years and has a ton of big-name retailers and brands, including grocers, gas stations, phone refills, Amazon, and even prepaid MasterCards. Plus, many of their gift cards are available at a discount. But what about paying your bills? Spritz.finance can do that, and they can send dollars to your bank account in case you still need those for some reason. Dash is one of the oldest cryptocurrencies and is widely available on exchanges, including the decentralized Maya Protocol and in multi-crypto wallets. It's easy to get and use Dash. Start by learning more at Dash.org. Thanks to the Dash DAO for sending us 32 Dash per month to promote Dash on the air. Visit Dash.org to learn about Dash. Dash.org.
0: Alright, this is Liberty and Night with Nate and Chuck on the Free Talk Live Network, and we are back. Make sure, by the way, you go find our daily podcast called Good Morning Liberty on your favorite podcast app. I'm gonna join gmail.com and join the live group so you can be part of this conversation. Every single day of the week when we want to do a new episode, we were in the middle of this conversation about Trump's American Academy talking about college endowments. Let's get back to it. Oh, hang on. sorry, and What's up?
1: The endowment funds of the 20 degree granting post-secondary institutions with the largest endowments by rank order. So this is 20, just 20 of them from Harvard all the way down to Cornell by the end of the physical year of 2021. So, of course, this is when the market was ridiculously high remember it <laughs> yeah. in november of yeah. 2021 they started the beginning of 2021 at 691 billion they ended the the fiscal year of 2021 in at 927.1 billion dollars so almost okay. a trillion between the top 20 universities
0: so how about this conservatives or conservative libertarians who are fine with this let's say that we're not going to take it from these colleges because we all hate these colleges let's say that we're going to take it out of apple's bank account Because they have a bunch of cash sitting in their bank account that they've saved up over a lot of time. Or we're going to take it from Warren Buffett's bank account and we're going to tax this money that they're hoarding, keeping out of the economy while people are struggling and we're going to take this and we're going to start a free public university by taking it from these people who are hoarding this wealth and we're going to put it to better use. And the answer would be no. The only thing that changes is that you very strongly hate the people who have this money right now. And so you would jump on it. And the even bigger question, would they even be able to do it? It's probably going to go more something like when the U.S. government does something. It would probably take longer than Trump's term to even fully put together because they're going to be building an entire online college. They're going to spend a bunch of money doing that. It's going to take years for them to put it all together. Trump probably whole be in office. And he'll be out of office before the thing even starts. And after that... You might have Gavin Newsom running the American Academy after that. Who gets to decide what the course content is on this thing? That we're going to take money from the economy, from private institutions, bank accounts, and fund this free online course. And once you do that, Then you talk about the notion of something being free, everyone being able to go and do it and get these degrees from it. You've completely destroyed the value of any degree. You know what you have to do if you go to American Academy and you get your bachelor's? You've got to go to another institution and get another degree, a master's or a doctorate to set yourself apart from all the people who got the free American Academy degrees. It's basically going to be a giant community college. No one cares.
1: It's going to be as valuable as a high school Mm. diploma. Yeah. Yeah. And then you could probably spend this trillion dollars in a in a matter of God, they could easily do it in a year. So then what? Once you run out of the trillion, let's take hundred percent of all the endowments of all these private universities. Right now we have the top twenty, which is almost a trillion dollars. What you're telling me, they're not going to spend two hundred fifty billion dollars a year on this free education? The thing you did, think you think people are going to make videos for free?
0: You thing, think the professors are going to work for free? And they got to pay for it. It's, I got to pay for it somehow. What's going to happen to the value I think the of those? The IT
1: staff is going to run the website for free when it
0: crashes every 10 seconds? What's going to happen to the value of those endowments once the government starts taxing them and taking money out of them? Are people going to happen pull market? their money? You know, what's, what's gonna, it's just a terrible idea.
1: Because all these endowments are invested, so imagine just taking a trillion dollars out of the U.S. stock market.
0: Let's move on to this next thing, right quick. But you he know how many conservatives
1: are going <clears> to <throat> praise this? Oh yeah, plan
0: totally for that was from uh, that was that was from Charlie Kirk, ultra conservative Turning Point USA guy. The. The government weaponized, government's too big. We got to have smaller government, the founding fathers type of government, constitutional type government. Oh, yeah, free, federally funded online university that the government's going to run. <laughs> that's a great idea. These people have no principles whatsoever, and that's why we're in the mess that we're in right now. Speaking of people with no principles and After something that, just, it just gives me no hope. <laughs> totally ridiculous. Marjorie Taylor Greene. Now, she's introducing this motion to censure Rashida Talib for being a Hamas terrorist sympathizer who wants to kill all of the Jews. And so she's trying to censure Rashida Tlaib. If you if you remember, a couple of weeks ago, we had a day that was almost like January 6th when people broke into the Capitol grounds. No, they were they, on the left, though. So. They occupied uh, the Cannon office building. And you know who was really upset about this is... Marjorie Taylor Greene is upset about Rashida Talib inciting this violent occupation of a Capitol building mm. through her words that she said leading up to this day. Yes, that's a real thing that's happening right now. So let's see. Let's listen to her talking about should some we, of this. Should we
1: indict Rashida Talib
0: For incitement? Yeah. I don't know, she said peacefully and patriotically march over to the Cannon office building, you know? So I think she's free and clear. Yeah. Uh, here's part of her speech.
4: Whereas Rashida Tlaib incited an illegal occupation of the United States Capitol complex on October 18th, 2023 which put members of Congress, their staffs, and capital visitors in danger by shutting down elevators, stairwells, and points of aggress while obstructing official business in both the House of Representatives and the Senate, including a Senate Foreign Affairs Committee hearing. Whereas the legal occupation incited by Rashida Tlaib was organized by Jewish Voice for Peace. I
0: get so annoyed by this because you have MTG up here wanting to censure someone (laughs) For it wanting to, I saw that, (laughs) wanting to censure someone for inciting a Palestinian erection up there. (laughs) And uh, does no one, did she not write that down and say, huh, this is going to look really weird when people are saying that I or Donald Trump helped incite the January 6th,
1: an intersex erection that happened?
0: Yeah. You know, but I'm going to come up here and call for someone to be censured because of things. She lists out tweets going back years and quotes from speeches and says that she incited this insurrection at the Capitol building. Did did that never click in her
1: head? They want to use the same tactics. That's that's the problem with going against principles. Like all you're doing is stooping down to their level, right? When by principle, they're all criminals,
0: like pretty much by our principles. Yeah. Yeah. By the principles of morality and common decency. Exactly. Pretty much all.
1: Yeah. We could probably (laughs) indict every single one of them. If we had, if we had any, I was going to say balls, but can I say <laughs> that on the radio?
0: I just don't. um, sure footballs. We watched football yeah, last we weekend. Watched, we did, yeah, but we didn't have any. There's one right there on the shelf. If yeah. that's what you're talking about, yeah, this is what we have. What one, we about. have one ball. You're right. Between the two of us, okay. This thing <laughs> happened. Some people did something yesterday, and uh, it was an an old Jewish man. I'll, I'll read this. Uh, was. For, this is from End Wokeness, was murdered by a pro-Palestine activist. The medical examiner already ruled it the homicide. Here's what happened. There was a protest, and there was also a protest. One side was like uh, free Palestine. One side was Jew. And the Palestine protester allegedly hit the old Jewish man with a, with a megaphone, and he fell back. A bullhorn. He uh, A bullhorn fell back uh, hit his head and had a brain hemorrhage and died. Mm. That's sad. Okay. It's sad when that happens. I don't think there's video of the actual thing occurring. There is video immediately afterwards of the guy on the ground and that's, you know, that's that's sad. He fell back, hit his head. Still alive right there. Alive at that point right there. Older man had a uh had a had oh. a brain hemorrhage. God, he's bleeding a lot. And uh and died. Yeah, let's um Let's get off of that now. Mm. I'm just gonna. I'm being annoying today. I'm letting like, like if I had autism, I'm like letting it show through today, (laughs) because I'm, I'm finding it so impossible these days. Let me tell you a personal problem I have. I can't tweet anything or post anything on X because you just have to say the dumbest things with zero nuance, just completely binary. This is either this or this. There's never any room for nuance. You can't really have much of a conversation about anything. You've got to make the these outlandish statements and just go with it, and never have any nuance whatsoever. You see, right now, just to get attention, yeah, to get attention, and that's how you go viral. And that's where I'm like, well, we're never gonna. I don't. I can't engage in the kind of things that I see people doing on Twitter because none of them make any sense to me. Like this post. One, I will admit that the way the media is uh, talking about this is very hypocritical, and has to do with uh, what side pushed what side. For instance, CNN says, man in California dies after suffering head injury at pro-Israeli and pro-Palestinian demonstrations. Uh, This is New York Times, bottom line. Jewish man dies after altercation at dueling protests in California. Um, Top right is, looks like NBC Jewish man dies after hitting head in altercation at dueling pro-Israel and pro-Palestinian rallies. And then the next one looks like maybe a Fox News local thing. Jewish man dies from injuries suffered in Israel-Palestine rally in Westlake Village. Now, if this were reversed, you could play that game. Let's say the opposite thing happened. Let's say the Jew pushed the Palestinian and the Palestinian died afterwards. My guess is those headlines would be would be worded differently. It's very close to the uh, SUV killing people in that parade, mm-hmm. like that kind of thing. Right. To you know, as opposed to uh, white man kills black people. But again, you know? this is the same
1: principle, though. It's the same principle of like, why do you want? You should not want the media coverage to do to to pick sides like that anyway. So why do you want them to pick your side now? Yeah, because it's been happening to you, and this is what. This is where I understand that people want to punch back Mm -hmm. I get it. I really do. But at the same time, like again, all you're doing is you're stooping down to their level that you don't even agree with, by the way, but you're going to act as if you do so that your side wins rather than
0: do the right thing. You take an example like George Floyd and Derek Chauvin. Now what was decided was that that was murder. And what you will see from many of these same more right wing pages is, oh, that wasn't murder. People keep calling it murder. That was he had drugs in his system, or that was involuntary manslaughter at best, or something like that. That's a that's just that that's not what murder is, yada yada yada. But then when it comes to this, I get it tragic and i'm sure the guy hated the other dude probably because he was jewish and i'm I'm sure he meant him harm by pushing him to the ground or by hitting him with the bullhorn was he trying to kill him when he when he hit him with the bullhorn do you think now did he know that it could cause bodily injury that could lead to death that's a possibility you know but is this an actual like Oh, I'm mad at this guy. I'm going to murder him right yeah, now. Like, right. is that really what everyone thinks happened? I, I'm, I don't
1: know. I wasn't. No, the we guy. don't know.
0: We were, weren't there. Yeah. And from what I saw, and uh, it is at least manslaughter. I would. Say, it's something yeah. like that. And yeah, I
1: caused bodily harm that led to death.
0: What I'm annoyed about is what Charlie just brought up. Is that when it's the opposite, then the. Same people would be saying, oh, it's not a murder. That's an involuntary manslaughter. Or that's an altercation or whatever. When it's flip-flops, they're like, oh, that's straight-up murder. And the, new, and the media is saying that it's not. Mm. There's, when, when you live in this world with no principles... the same principles, people on the right who want to censor
1: people on the left because the left is censoring them.
0: Yeah, yeah. It's like, how about we don't censor any, How about fight for
1: mm. the right to not censor anybody?
0: And then I get a little bit more annoyed because this page, which is a ma- massive page that posts out a lot of really good things, this end-wokeness end page says the man was murdered by a pro-palestine activist the medical examiner already ruled it a homicide well this person probably knows and if they don't then they should know that homicide does not mean murder homicide means that a that a person killed another person by the way if you defend yourself if someone comes into your house and you are 100% in the right and you shoot them that's a homicide it's not a murder but it's a homicide, okay? That's what the medical examiner would rule it as. So those mean different things. And so when you say oh, this was murder, the medical the medical examiner already ruled it a homicide. That means nothing. That it, it means nothing until you until the person gets arrested. From what I saw, there hasn't been an arrest made so far, uh, but we'll see. And from what I heard, there's no video of the actual thing happening. So it's going to be. Gonna to be tough. I doubt you're gonna see some massive uh, JLM protests out there burning down buildings or anything like that. But um, yeah, you know, we'll see if people are gonna be mad about this. Well,
1: <laughs> typically, because Jewish people have more sense than that.
0: Yeah. Okay. And then I've got an, I've got the one person who you would never imagine. I'm gonna say offer it up a nuanced explanation of a situation. Barack Hussein Obama. Barack Hussein Obama. And I heard people tearing this apart. And when I listened to it, he's talking about Israel and uh, Hamas and Palestine. When I listened to it, I was like, yeah, that's about right. This is complicated. Now he speaks for a while. And also, he, you've
1: never heard of Pod Save America?
0: It's <laughs> pretty the, big.
1: They got the freaking pres- former yeah. president on there.
0: Pretty, you know... It, in this clear woke left but he says a lot of things without saying anything in the most obama way fa- you know possible so he can so this is obama keep harris keep making keep making money uh, all the time but this is kamala listen, obama this is a just annoying thing that i have to show with him now he's partially responsible for some of he was president for 8 years surely he's responsible for some things and he talks about that But I just had to give slight props to the fact that he said a couple things I agree with here. Maybe you'll disagree. I don't know.
4: There's any chance of us being able to act constructively to do something. It will require an admission of complexity and maintaining what on the surface may seem contradictory ideas. That that what Hamas did was horrific and there's no justification for it. And what is also true is that the, the occupation and what's happening to Palestinians is, is unbearable. And what is also true is that there is a history of the Jewish people that may be dismissed unless your grandparents or your great-grandparents or your uncle or your aunt tell you stories about the madness of anti-Semitism and what is true is that there are people right now who are dying who have nothing to do with what Hamas did and what is true Right? I mean we can go on for a while and the problem with the social media and trying to tick tock Activism and trying to debate this on that, is you can't speak the truth. You can pretend to speak the truth. You can speak one side of the truth. And in some cases, you can try to maintain your moral innocence, but that won't solve the problem. And so if you want to solve the problem, then you have to take in the whole truth. (laughs) And you then have to admit... Nobody's hands are clean. That all of us are complicit to some degree. What could I have done during my presidency to move this forward as hard as I tried? I've got the scars to prove it. Does he? But there's a part of me that's still saying, well, was there something else I could have done? That's the conversation we should be having. Not just looking backwards, but looking forward. And and that can't happen if we are confining ourselves to our outrage I would rather see you out there talking to people including people who you disagree with if you genuinely want to change this then you've got to figure out how to speak to somebody on the other side and listen to them and understand what they are talking about and not and not dismiss it because you can't save that child without their help. Not in this situation. I thought that was great.
0: I thought it was pretty good. It's really good. I mean, I, I don't think I've ever played a clip of Obama saying something and then said it was good afterwards. So yeah. this is a kind of a weird moment mm-hmm. in podcasting well, history for it us. speaks the truth. Yeah, I think he's right about the fact that you have to admit it's kind of what we've been saying. Maybe that's why I heard it and multiple with things it. can be true
1: at the same a time. A lot of things weird. That are true. How yeah. weird?
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, Israel has done things that are wrong. Clearly, what Hamas did is but wrong. This
1: is where this is where it goes into theology for me because it's this whole this this mantra that we have in our culture is religious. It's the it's the if you're not with me, you're against me theme. Mm-hmm. Right to like to be pro Palestine is to be anti-semitic is it and to be pro-jewish is to hate muslims
0: but is that really are you saying i'm that saying that's in our culture that's oh, what that's our what, culture says saying that's our like binary uh right um but it's not true yeah no it's not it's true
1: not. you can you can you can have disgust for the anti-semitism anti-semitism which by the way that's being per- perpetrated by the woke left which is just so weird to me it's a lot it, a lot of it is right um So you can have disgust for that because it absolutely is disgusting. People have been trying to exterminate the Jews since they started, I guess, or since God created them or whatever you want to believe. Um, And then also like, you can also have empathy and sympathy for the, at least, at least the, the innocent Palestinian children who deserve none of what Israel's doing to them.
0: Like you have to, like you have to be truthful about the fact that there are people dying who have nothing to do with this conflict whatsoever. Doesn't mean he's saying that there has to be a ceasefire. I'm sure he is saying stuff like that, but you have to at least be honest about that fact when you're talking about it. Like there's people dying that had nothing to do with this. So what are you going to do? Also, what Hamas did was terrible. Also, Hamas wants to destroy Israel. Also, Israel has done a lot of bad things in the past. Also, uh, maybe people had land taken away from, yep. from them or not. But one thing he said that I think is important is that he said we have to look forward to Instead of backward, nice politician speak, stuff like that. But it goes back to something we said last week. Um, I The way I said that was, we don't have a time machine. We can't do anything about this. Israel exists. We're not going to go back and not create Israel through the UN and maybe people push off their land or maybe not. I don't know, timeline's fuzzy on that whole thing. We're not going to fix that part. What we have to figure out is, what are we going to do right now with this conflict? There's people dying on both sides, clearly, What's a way that we can actually move forward? Let's say it's destroying Hamas. What does that mean? How are they going to destroy Hamas? How do you even know who all the Hamas people are? How do you know there's not going to be... appears to
1: me that Hezbollah is gearing up for joining. It
0: looks like joining. that too.
1: So this, like we said, like we said this is probably going to get worse before it gets better. Um, but to your point, I mean, we do have to look for it. We, we, the only people speaking the truth about this are shows like this. That's it. Mm. The people that you listen to that are either all pro Palestine or all pro Israel are wrong. That's where you have to be willing to take in all sides and stand up for human life, which is what which is what's valuable
0: and human life on all sides. Not even just Palestinian human life, but then also people in Israel, the ones you disagree with. Maybe you know who Hamas Hamas is definitely going to want to do more October seventh jihad weekend again or whatever they end up calling the thing i don't know yeah. they haven't given it a cool name yet jihad weekend i'm going to submit that one right now <laughs> but um, weekend to jihad got, got a direct you know,
1: line to hamas or something i
0: don't know we'll see maybe they'll, <laughs> they're watching the show <laughs> to the,
1: uh, also to the live group's point what i was talking about earlier is um you know it's very weird the timeline's weird for me even if you just look back to 2016 which is you had the woke left calling trump a nazi Mm-hmm. and how we have to get rid of him because he's going to bring white supremacy, nationalist, Nazi, sympathizing to America, authoritative leader. This guy is Hitler incarnate. Mm-hmm. Okay.
0: They were also very concerned about anti-Semitism on Twitter. Yes. You know, especially then, with Elon Musk taking over.
1: Those exact same people uh, support the Nazis in Ukraine, like the literal Nazis that we've, we've called out on the show. And then now they're they're in support of Hamas. So it's like
0: also they, Russia is helping the arm to arm Hezbollah, uh, and they hate Russia. But Russia's helping Hezbollah who's fighting Israel, so they like Hezbollah, but they hate Russia because mm-hmm. they're fighting their favorite Nazis in Ukraine. Yeah.
1: Make it make sense. <laughs> it doesn't. It doesn't. <laughs> and this is like this is all just I think you brought up a good point a couple weeks ago when you said this all makes sense when you look at it through the, you know, oppressor versus the oppressee lens.
0: That's all it is. And
1: what's happening is, is like, okay, who is the, who is the most victimized in this situation? And it doesn't matter if you have to turn into a Nazi to protect the victims. This is, and God, the only thing that explains everything goes back to what Jordan Peterson has been talking about for years. Mm -hmm. Yeah. The compassionate left. It's not compassion. You know, what does he say? It's it's a mother's bare compassion that'll get you eaten. <laughs>
0: True. All right, y'all. We will be uh, talking about Israel and Hamas and doing Dumb Leap of the Week coming right up.
3: The crimes of the state. Eleutheromania.
0: Talk Live. Well, what's up, all of our Liberty loving friends? This is another fantastic episode of Liberty Night with Nate and Charlie on the Free Talk Live Network coming at you from Nashville, Tennessee. Make sure you find our daily podcast, Good Morning Liberty, where we talk about life, liberty, and the pursuit of meaning every single day of the week when we want to. We've been debating iPhones versus not iPhones for a solid 17 minutes or so before this uh, show started we've been debating so why don't you let us know send so us far, an email charlie at good which one is better
1: and so far in the fed haters club that we have more not iphone users than iphone users well how about that yeah
0: you know those which libertarians they uh they like to do their own thing and a lot of times they're wrong so <laughs> you know yeah. what are you gonna do yeah uh, anyhow we got a And they co-
1: always they always talk about how there's more options for Android whatever. Well, what about when your phone doesn't work? <laughs> like it doesn't work like a phone.
0: I'm sure they figured out the whole getting your phone to work thing, you know. It's not just Apple that figured out how yeah. to make a phone work. Um, but I don't know. I don't I haven't tried one make in it a while. Work better. Yeah, it's yeah. just way better. You never have to stress about things. Yeah.
1: So and when you pull up an app you don't know if you know last night Someone was asking me, like, do you see a bunch of ads when you go to download an app from the App Store on iPhone? I was like, no, <laughs> but like literally, that she pulled up this app she was downloading and was like showing me in the Google Play Store how like you have to like you click install and then you have to watch an ad for for downloading the for app? downloading an app.
0: That's ridiculous, freaking Google, yeah. you know. Jeez, hey, here's a that reason. Alone, here's a thing for libertarians. That alone. Apple is way better, seemingly, with privacy than a Google, tyrannical Google-based phone is. Mm-hmm. Okay? I don't even know how you let them have like that information. Yeah, I don't even trust using it. They're like, oh, I don't use Google to search things. I use DuckDuckGo. You got a Google phone! <laughs> everything is going through their servers <laughs> okay anyway we'll uh we'll continue this there's debate. no way
1: you're going to be part of the boog
0: <laughs> no way because i'll know not with a google phone not with a google no no way only apple people are going to be part of the boog
1: they they pull everything off of that device I All can't right. believe you guys.
0: So there's stuff going on around the, uh, the Honestly, world. I don't think they should be part you of know? the group anymore. They're probably no, giving out, they're no, giving information. We just put people on a list. We're going to be able to get rid of these people pretty soon now. They just outed themselves. Yeah. Okay? We can't trust them <laughs> anymore. Yeah. All right, we have to get to the content. All the Liberty we, information we, we, we talked about. We actually have to get to the content.
1: Just They're just sending it off to Google, which mm-hmm. you know is going straight to the Fed. Yeah, yeah. And then there's...
0: We have feds that have infiltrated the Fed Haters Club. Of course. That would be the first place they would go. <laughs> they literally searched it. That's of course they would join the Fed Haters Club. Yeah. Uh join gml.com and we appreciate their minimum payment of six dollars a month. Yeah. So
1: uh, okay. I feel like we should have a higher fee for Android users though.
0: Charlie Israel Hamas war is still going on. Have you seen that in the news? There's a war going on in our in our club. There's a war going on on the other side of the world that uh, we're going to continue to be involved in. And saw some uh, just disturbing things over the last couple of days that people are talking about, like Israel bombing a refugee camp. That's weird, okay? That's like that's kind of awkward, guys. I don't think we should bomb refugee camps. But apparently they they were trying to com- kill a Hamas guy, so we got to weigh the pros and cons there. Yeah. So take <laughs> okay. out the whole refugee camp. <laughs> We don't know how many people died at the camp, but people weren't mad enough about the first time they didn't bomb the camp again uh, because I guess they couple Did that other, really happened. Yeah, yeah, oh. kind of crazy, kind of crazy. Is this stuff. confirmed or
1: is it kind of like the hospital
0: bombing? <laughs> no, this is a real one. They Israel said that they bombed it, and hmm. there was a clip going around of the dude on CNN talking to Wolf Wolf Blitzer, and Wolf Blitzer was kind of grilling him about it. Like you knew that then some people were there, and he still bombed the refugee camp, and they were. He said yeah. <laughs> and so, wow. Yeah.
1: Cold blooded. <laughs> that's not a good thing.
0: No, and I, I really worry, you know, there's so many arguments going on about this conflict, and but a lot of them they they base they're they're based upon whether or not you think Israel or Palestine should exist or not exist or whether or not Israel's occupying this land or who took the land from who, whose land was it at the beginning. And what I've decided on this is that we don't have a time machine and we can't fix what happened in 1947 or in the 60s or all the different wars that have taken place. We can not learn. Or 2000 BC. Yeah, any of those. <laughs> we don't have a time machine. Yeah, um, Israel does exist. And I don't think they're just going to throw up their hands and move elsewhere and everything's going to be fine. So what we have to do is figure out what the best course forward is. And um, I I don't know if the current course is the best one forward for them. We don't have to get into this whole thing that I wrote out, but I, I've i even started to think about it from the standpoint that like I want Israel to exist. Okay, they've been there for a while. I'm not saying that they all need to move, but like what... What would you do if you wanted Israel to do well and keep existing and not have to keep fighting these wars and all that? And I don't really think that what they're doing right now is going to help. And so instead of arguing about whether or not they should be there or shouldn't be there, whose land it is or anything, what I wish we could do is stop that part because that part's really not going to change. And what I would like to see is for the people who want Israel to win this courageous battle to ask the question: Is what they are doing right now actually the best thing for their future? Is it going to work? Well, the, here's the other tough part, which is
1: one of, one of the problems you have between, like, let's say, choosing sides, is one group, Hamas, like they, it, Not only do they not want Israel to exist, but like they want to get rid of an entire group of people.
0: Yeah, from what Just I based heard,
1: based on the fact that they're that they're
0: Jews. I hear that they changed it. Now, I haven't actually confirmed. I was listening to uh, to someone yesterday. They said that they changed their charter. It no longer says Jews. It says Israel. Mm. Uh, and so that that's who they want to be gone. Not, so you're saying if not Israel, Jews. like
1: if the Jews mm. moved to another location, like and set up a different
0: Israel. They're not going to try to kill those Jews. They're not going <laughs> to just Israel. Yeah. That is the problem. I don't know. I haven't read it. I haven't actually seen that. It's just something I heard yesterday. Yeah. So uh, someone else can help us confirm that. If it's wrong, then it's wrong. And uh, it's that person's fault, not mine. But uh, I just wonder if they're going to be able to... They keep saying... Well, Could what we would, move Jerusalem to like Seattle maybe? You're going to have to and talk to the give, Bible about that. And then give honestly. the
1: Jews all of Washington state? Possibly. And maybe... That could be fine. Yeah. We'll move Jesus's tomb.
0: Mm-hmm. Could we move Antifa out of Portland yeah. and just put the Jews there yeah. instead?
1: We'll give them the whole state of Oregon. I might back that one. Yeah. It could
0: be fine. But I they mean, would even keep standards for high school students graduating. Now, if we did that, would
1: Hamas mm. come over to America and still try to kill? Well, would they come over to Israel?
0: Oh, which would which, be which inside would be in of America. FKA Portland, Oregon. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Exactly. They might, they yeah. might do that. So uh, I, I've just been trying to think about what the best way forward is for them. And uh, I don't think that doing kind of what we did after 9-11 is going to be the one that works. Like Netanyahu has said, well, you wouldn't have asked America after 9-11 to go with a ceasefire. You know, what, what do we do after 9-11? Well, the answer is what we did after 9-11 was wrong. And didn't work. <laughs> it didn't work. And we did it for okay. twenty years. So I don't really think Actually, that that's the best example. It. We're still know? doing it and it's mm-hmm. still not working. still we've been not working now on that for a long time. Yeah. And I don't know what they should have done after the whole October seventh thing. Like let's just say history started on October seventh. You know, what what should you do? I think it matters whether or not they care if people around the world are behind them and whether or not they want to win the public perception campaign around the world. Because I was thinking a lot about this, like, what does Hamas want? Probably the same thing that Osama bin Laden wanted, which was for us to come over there so they could kill even more of us, and we would also help them recruit more and more people by going over there and killing civilians and, and taking over their, occupying their land for a long time. You know, we helped their cause quite a bit when we went over there. And so I think Hamas and taking hostages and killing and doing what they did and then running back, scurrying back over to their side. They wanted Israel to follow them and come over there and do exactly what they're doing right now. And look around the world, dude. I mean, look at the protests, look at what's going on. Look at people cornering Jews on the streets and on college campuses and stuff. Hamas is winning this war. Israel Just has like all Osama
1: over... bin Laden yeah. dragged us over to the Middle East. That's, That's exactly insane. what
0: he wanted us to do. Like, uh, in my opinion, Hamas has already won this war, even if all of the ones that are currently in Gaza are killed. Hamas has already won this war. The mm-hmm. hatred for Israel is at a height that I've never seen in my lifetime. I've never seen this before, which, of course, we didn't have social media back when we were in high school and grade school. and so You couldn't see everything that people were thinking at all times, which is a great time to be alive. And uh, And now you can see... Uh, all the protests and stuff taking place. It's easier to organize people to protest than it used to be uh, with uh, all of our new technology. But from from what I can tell, as far as hatred around the world for Israel, it seems to be at all times all time highs. And maybe even for Jews, which is wrong to categorize Jews with the state of Israel. Like those are those are different things. Just like maybe Hamas and Palestinians are different things. You know, Mm -hmm. it's kind of weird that people that will argue that like Hamas is not Palestine or not Palestinians, but like all Jews are Israel, (laughs) you know, yeah, it's kind of weird too. So um, I don't know what they should have done after October 7th, but I think they had a real opportunity when everyone was behind them and everyone felt bad for them. And everyone was talking about the rape and murder and baking babies in the oven and things like that they had an opportunity to show the world that they were the morally superior people. And I think they, regardless of whether or not you think they should retaliate, I think in killing so many civilians now, which the numbers, if you believe all the numbers uh, are up to like 9,000 or so, something Mm -hmm. like that. um, I, I think they've already lost that morally superior war in the image of people around the world. And, Sometimes being the bigger person in a conflict and saying you might have come over here and killed 1,500 of our civilians in a terrible way, but we're better than you. We're not like you. Like We're going to hunt down each one of you people that did this, and we're going to send in special forces, and we're going to kill you over the next little bit, but we're not just going to bomb people's apartment buildings and kill innocent civilians because that would make us as cold and heartless as you are Mm -hmm. and that's not who we are that's who you are yeah they failed that yeah it's done it's over
1: yeah imagine (laughs) imagine the cops in the united Mm -hmm. states like they're going after a murderer you know Mm -hmm. he and he decides to hide in the hospital yeah, you know, and rather than go in and try to get him out, we just bomb the hospital. Yeah,
0: we don't do that. We got to
1: take out that one murderer.
0: We talked about our hostage it's, it's scenario. Like, like you don't do that. You do every you you spend. Well, day, look at even Waco. They spent boy, like eighty days or some some kind of crazy number that they spent uh, mm-hmm. at uh, at Waco before they finally decided to kill everyone inside the building. But at least they thought about it for a while, you know. Yeah. And, and in this case, that's not what's happening, but okay. Well, and then, so here's, so here's where it, the line gets fuzzy.
1: Okay. And this is like, I can, I can break this down to my own life. And you know, where is the wisdom? It's finding the wisdom to discern the difference between standing up for yourself and giving and giving grace and not being walked all over. Right. Yeah, You know, because if you just, if a snake, like, you know, whatever you can come up with all kinds of analogies or whatever, but like if a snake bites you, you know, you're going to, you know, pet the snake, you know, <laughs> like, Hey, Hey buddy, don't bite me again. You know, mm-hmm. like, are, are you creating incentives for them to keep sending paragliders over? If you don't do anything about it,
0: that's definitely a problem. Okay.
1: But then at the same time, if you look throughout history, what has actually invoked like actual peace and change? I always go back like to Martin Luther King jr. Mm-hmm. During the civil rights movement. I mean, how justified would several of those people have been to fight back against folks who were beating them, killing some of them, imprisoning them, like the anger and rage that you would feel. But yet consistently Martin Luther King Jr. and those that followed him chose love and grace and mercy and it actually
0: changed. Now, one It actually invoked real change. One difference I see here is that I'm not really arguing that, say, doing nothing or just being more targeted would have changed the opinions of all the people in Gaza or Hamas terrorists or whatever. I think that they have a... Religious philosophical belief. And then the people there, you're still dealing with whether or not they think Israel stole their land. And so Israel existing is like an act of aggression on them because they believe that the land was stolen. And so even Israel not doing anything. Well, if they don't leave the land, then they're still like aggressing on you, uh, the whole time. What I like the, what I said when we first started was if they wanted to win in the eyes of the world and have the world behind them and maybe even not be creating more people around the world that will eventually join the terrorist pipeline to wanting to do bad things, then they could have not come out here and killed all of these civilians. They could have done it in a more tactical way. And uh, I know that's really difficult to do because you don't want to incentivize them to just do it again. Like, oh, wait, we had, we attacked them. We killed 1,500 people and they didn't do anything. Let's do it. You guys good next Saturday? You, you good? Yeah. You want to get together again? Get the band back together? Um, I think what they could focus on is doing better at at defense, actual defense. You know, the people are inside your borders, and you defend yourselves. You kill those people, and you run them back out. Like that's national defense. And they could have their military stationed everywhere along their border if they're worried about more border incursions. They kind of left it up, from what I heard, to these advanced technologies. T Dub makes developed. a good
1: point. They could mm-hmm. let their their citizens be armed
0: yeah. to protect themselves, and then up their iron dome capabilities to the point that that no rocket ever gets through. To the point that Hamas even decides that there's no reason to fire another rocket. We haven't we haven't had a rocket land in Israel since Ot Seven. You know why are we still firing rockets at these guys? They just shoot every single one of them down. Maybe we should use those pipes for water instead, something like that and uh because they literally would take humanitarian aid pipelines that were sent to them and they would cut them up and make them in the rockets you know mm-hmm. and uh you know so you you improve your defense capabilities so much that you make it impossible for anyone to penetrate your borders and come in and attack you and then you don't aggress on any of them you're not bombing them and you're so heavily well defended that none of your people are getting killed either and to me that sets a better stage for going forward more peacefully into the future.
1: And then you're able to tell better story, That you have the better story, right? Yeah. And then as generations come along, like that hate starts to die out because mm-hmm. you're replacing it with something that actually drives out hate, which you know, is which is love.
0: You know, I get in all kinds of conspiracy theories like how did they not know this attack was going to happen? You know, after that hospital bombing, they released this supposed audio conversation between two hamas people talking on the phone like oh yeah the cemetery from behind the the hospital they they had that within like hours of the hospital bombing where are the audio recordings of people talking about meeting and getting together on october 7th and carrying through paragliding they don't have any phone conversations of people talking about this where, no idea this was going to happen. After each bombing that happens, they submit these audio recordings and they got nothing from before October 7th at all. Where did they get these? That's kind of weird, mm. right? Uh, just saying. It seems
1: kind of weird. Was Hamas but, using an mm. enigma? Maybe. A <laughs> maybe, the middle,
0: middle Eastern enigma? enigma. <laughs> it's a new one. <laughs> It'll probably they, be the same old enigma. They just yeah. didn't know how to break it anymore, I guess. I don't, anyway. These questions lead me to ideas about. This war. So, we're talking about giving them $14.3 billion, and that's going to happen one way or another. We're going to give them money. All right. And what has really started to bother me about this is well, first off, it's money that is stolen from us, and then we're just going to give it to other people. And then some of that is going to be used to kill innocent civilians. And Uh, then we don't even have any money. And then I wish people on the left who are so upset would realize that this is some of the problem with your money being forcefully stolen from you, that this tax apparatus and this IRS apparatus that you so fully support then takes your money and gives it to a country that's perpetrating this war that you're out there protesting against right now. Yeah. That seems like something that people but you should want pay the rich attention people to. To
1: pay their fair share yeah. towards this towards war. Towards the war. Yeah. So
0: we can give more money towards the war. Yeah. Uh, but when you look at the differences between our two countries, uh, like look at government debt. This is one that is weird. Israel's government debt to GDP is 60% and ours is 122% as of 2022. Um, there, I have more updated numbers, by the way, but the percentages were around the same. Uh, their budget yearly budget balance was minus -3% of their gdp ours is minus -5.5% of the gdp in 2022 that'll be going up for 2023 by all accounts israel is in a better financial condition like with current money than than we are everything that we do is with debt and we finance it with with bonds and we you know we have to borrow this money and pay it back and somehow that means that we just have to be able to continue borrowing money from people to give it to this country that has half the debt to GDP ratio that we have, and has a less of a budget deficit before this war started than what we have as a, on a percentage basis. Our economy is way bigger, so you know um, they have a way way smaller when you look at the actual number amount. And then we're giving them four billion and change dollars, you know, every year. And I just wonder how that like who circles that square for you in your head? That's what I want to know. Who makes that make sense? Here's a, here's a line graph of the two. Here's ours actually now debt to GDP is up at 129% and theirs is at 60 point nine percent. And we are the ones that should be taking out debt to give them money. Why aren't they taking out debt to do this. Well, according to Janet Yellen, we can afford it. Yeah. They may not be able to afford it. I guess not. <laughs> I guess not. And then I started looking at some of the money that we give them because I started thinking about this idea of why aren't they financing this war with debt or with something like war bonds, like how we used to finance, like how we find this World War II, you know? And you look at this $3.3 billion that we gave them from the DOD, and this is from 2022. And this is a military financing program uh, that we gave them $3.3 billion, which is a financing program with loans and grants. And then it says payment waived. They don't owe us the money back. And so what I wonder is, Israel, what's it worth to you to stay alive? <laughs> and why is it that we should just borrow this money from the American people, take it from the American people, and they don't? why don't they have to pay it back? Yeah. They're in such better financial condition as an economy than we even are, debt-wise. Why is there no question as to whether or not they have to pay the money back when they get done? Isn't there?
1: Isn't I mean, that worth it to you? We're up to over a quarter million dollars per taxpayer. Yeah. So each taxpayer owes over $250,000. Mm-hmm. Um, and that, that money's going to come due at some point. It may not be in our lifetimes, I don't know, because the market can remain irrational longer than you can remain solvent.
0: Coming up, we're going to keep talking about this and then we're going to talk about this ballot referendum in Maine where they want to seize the means of power distribution. Supported by Bernie Sanders. Coming right up.
2: On Free Talk Live, we're bringing people to the ideas of liberty every day. From wrestling superstars like Glenn Jacobs.
4: You guys really are having an impact, I believe. Like I said, uh, a lot of...
2: you can help more people hear the message of liberty by joining free talk lives amps program on patreon for as little as five dollars a month and you'll get access to special perks visit amps.freetalklive.com amps.freetalklive.com
0: All right, y'all, what's up? This is Liberty and I with Nate and Charlie on the Free Talk Live Network. Before that break, we were talking about how Israel could actually fund this war with bonds like we used to do in the old days. People are buying Israeli bonds. Uh, sorry, I cut you off.
1: Well, I'm Keep just on. saying, like, all I'm saying is who knows when that debt's going to come due, but it's going to come due. Mm-hmm. It's just the way it works throughout all of human history.
0: Um, Indiana is purchasing 35 million dollars of Israeli bonds. They do have bonds. Okay, so they do have a bond market just like most countries do and they offer a pretty good percentage on the bonds. Overall, US states have combined together to buy about 150 million dollars worth of Israeli bonds uh for their state like pension programs and stuff like that. And so it, I just it got me thinking like what about this as an investment? We could just give them the money. Or we could give them a, we could buy a bond from them, and they could pay us back in thirty years with a five percent interest rate or something. Why can't they afford to do that? I, I I wonder why. There's a story about the Israeli bonds, them saying it's a good deal. I looked at their bond market; they're doing about five percent, five to six percent, fifteen-year bond, six percent uh, right now. On you can get a Jubilee bond, <laughs> fifteen-year bond at six. 0.04%. And so, why is it that, that we didn't take American taxpayers' money and just give it to them and say that they don't have to do anything back with it? You've got state pension programs that are buying Israeli bonds to, to help them fund their war effort. So, we got states buying Israeli bonds and show support. Ukraine was selling war bonds. They sold like $180 million worth or something like that. The bonds at 11% interest. You know why they got to pay a higher interest rate because there's a lot higher risk involved because good chance they're not going to win that war. Mm-hmm. So good chance you're not going to get, I don't know if Russia gets the debt in the process. <laughs> you know, when you uh, do a hostile takeover of a country, yeah. I'm not sure if you also get all of their debt.
1: Okay. I'm giving you money and you're literally <laughs> blowing it up. <laughs> yeah. Like actually blowing it up.
0: During World War II, the U S spent nearly four years at war requiring services and millions of soldiers and the manufacturing of countless ships, aircraft carriers, tanks, weapons, all the stuff. Cost estimated to be around four point one trillion if adjusted for today's dollars. Well, we could have paid for the whole war in like nine months. Yeah, the U.S. needed to raise funds quickly and did so largely by selling war bonds. The government urged citizens to purchase these war bonds as a matter of patriotic duty, and more than eighty-five million Americans bought war bonds. Americans purchased one hundred and eighty-five point seven billion worth of war bonds. By contrast, more recent wars, including conflicts in Iraq and Afghanistan, were primarily financed by increasing the nation's foreign debt because we could just print all the money. See, even back in uh, World War II, even though they already had the Fed at that time, we still had the gold standard technically at that point. And so we were a little still a little more constrained. They had to sell these bonds to Actually, raise they... money. So it wasn't until oh, the seventies. We got officially right. taken off. They did, you know, uh, forcefully bought everyone's gold. Yeah. You know, but um, our money supply was still constrained uh, at that point, so anyway, I guess my to to uh, to round this up, what I want to figure out is, why is it that when we talk about this 14.3 billion dollar aid package for Israel, or even the four billion that we do every year, why isn't it worth it to them to want to pay a five percent? interest rate on this and make it a 15-year bond or a 30-year bond or whatever. You know, it would be better for the American people than the foreign aid package that we're talking about, even if there was 0% interest and they still paid it back. Just give I mean, us, you don't have to charge them any money on it. Just give us the money back. <laughs> just give the money back to us later on down the road. But you, you could actually make the case that, okay, this could be a better investment of taxpayer money than other ways the U.S. government was going to set the money on fire. For some reason, there's just this idea that they're in such dire need that we have to give this to them, no questions asked. I don't like that. There's Mm -hmm. other ways. That was good. Good, good, good. Great conversation. The next one, uh, which hopefully we have some time for, totally shifting topics right now. But I wanted to talk about this ballot referendum in Maine. They're going to be voting. You know, just one of those... Still money talk. Still money. (laughs) Still money pure democracy where they put these ballot referendums on, you know, and you give 50.1% of the people decide to do something and 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 that's that. That's the law. Unless someone challenges it later on. But Maine public power vote could shape new course for utilities. So what's happening is they've got these two power utilities, two utility companies in Maine and they are state they're, they're state-regulated companies. Yeah, but, but they're they for-profit. They're for-profit companies. This is evil. They're privately owned companies, uh, but they are heavily regulated companies, so they are like state-sanctioned monopolies in, in the state. The state, even, they have to get their rate.
1: And we know uh, Maine exists because there was a, a, a mass shooting. A shooting. Yeah. yeah.
0: Before so that, no, I wasn't sure.
1: Yeah, so now, yeah, there are people... So now that- we
0: have two stories that are proving i guess that maine does exist and that people live there yeah Mm-hmm.
1: It seems as if people do live i don't know why
0: <laughs> i'm sure it's beautiful up there but it seems like people do live in maine you get it closer to the lobster mm. Mm-hmm. yeah it's cheaper up there you don't have to pay shipping costs yeah so um charlie you want to read a little bit i'll read a little bit yeah see what's going on here so
1: maine residents are set to vote next week on a ballot initiative that would make the state the first with a publicly-owned electric utility governed by an elected board. Proponents say the initiative could chart a new path forward for utilities, increasing local control of something that profoundly affects people's lives and reducing service interruptions in Maine. Yeah, because they have an incentive. <laughs> yeah, not to. Which leads the nation in frequency of power, out- power outages. Detractors, meanwhile, say it would be prohibitively expensive. The ballot initiative, question three, would allow for a new, quote, a new power company governed by an elected board to acquire and operate existing for-profit electricity transmission and distribution facilities in Maine. Maine's electricity is provided by two investor-owned utilities, Central Maine Power and Versant Power. The push for a public utility was fueled by frustration with those two utilities, which cover 97% of Mainers, said Lucy <laughs> <laughs> Post- <I'm sorry>. <laughs> Hosh, Hosh and She's a charter. Ho, shartner. Shartner. Hosh and Shartner.
0: Hosh Shartner.
1: A Shartner. A spokesperson for the campaign.
0: <laughs> anyway, the important part was yeah. you say it, Hosh and Shartner. That's what you need to take away from that. She goes by Lucy. Lucy is yeah. her name. Um, The idea here is that they are going to forcefully buy out the privately owned companies that are currently providing the power in Maine and create a a publicly customer-owned power company that is going to magically have less power disruptions than the current companies, will save the people money, Everything will be cheaper because you're going to knock out that pesky profit, mm-hmm. which is, as everyone has been... You see why it's so important for us to talk about these things? Because people will do this based on the idea that profit increases the price of things. When, in fact, profit decreases the price of things well, because it creates an incentive to do things more efficiently. If you have competition. If you have competition. Power is a, is a difficult utilities are a difficult thing you know like do you you really want to see 20 different electrical pole lines running side by side down the side of the road with you know
1: sales reps coming by your door deciding which power company you're going to sign up for
0: it's like it's it's difficult switch
1: every month i want want to tap into versant Mm -hmm. this month you know so
0: yeah, this it's it's more difficult than other than At least other now businesses. Now all
1: the communities they're building. They put the power under underground. It's much better,
0: much better. Yeah, mm-hmm. my yeah. community now it's all it's up there. Is it still up there? Oh, terrible! That's frustrating. Man. Yeah,
1: I live in anyhow.
0: Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. You so it must be weird. ours ours have like. A,
1: is it weird when you drive into this? You know, extremely. Yeah,
0: I'm looking. I'm like, where are the power lines with shoes hanging from them? Yeah, this is weird. Yeah. <laughs> You know, okay. Sorry, there's more here. The idea of—I mean, the whole point of
1: that. I, you know, I live in this unbelievably wealthy neighborhood. Oh yeah, yeah. It's—I mm-hmm. mean, you know, uh, you know, Durham. One of Bart Durham's sons lives here. Okay, Japeth.
2: Mm, yeah. Okay. Lives
1: in this community. It's too can bad I, you
0: don't have John Morgan from
1: Morgan and Morgan and Morgan and Morgan. Yeah. Living so, here, some of the billionaire lawyers' kids. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's how. That's how rich Charlie is. How the how this podcast is. The
0: idea of moving toward public ownership, public ownership of electric utilities is already being explored elsewhere, although at a municipal rather than statewide level. Rochester, New York City Council voted in June to study the logistics of a public power campaign. So it's an exploratory that, committee. Do you think that um, the power company has to create a committee to study the logistics of whether or not they can provide power to people? <laughs> Like, no, because they're experts in their field. In this case, the the government has to get together and figure out how the heck they're going to Mm. do this. While San Diego committed up to $3 million for the same purpose in 2022. These investor-owned models aren't working anywhere in the country, Lucy said. At its heart, this is about whether as we are setting up this public good electricity, do we want that crucial system to be in the hands of corporations whose job it is to extract as much money as possible? I think that has an appeal across the country. This is literally people voting on a ballot referendum to seize the means of power production from privately owned companies that are currently operating in the state. Like They're going to forcefully buy them out and take over their operations. That's insane. And it's happening in a U.S. state.
1: And this is why we talk about these ideas all the time.
0: Yeah. Two senators from Maine, Angus King and Susan Collins, have stayed out of the fight with King's office, telling, probably because he gets donations from the power companies. Uh, King's office telling the Hill he considers it a state issue. But Senator Bernie Sanders, perhaps the New England figure with the highest national profile, has backed this referendum, if you can imagine Mm -hmm. that thing. Uh, Quote, this is from... Uh, This is from someone else. This is from Bernie. Is it from Bernie? Mm -hmm. Power belongs in the hands of the people, not greedy corporations. Belongs? Um, fortunately, Mainers have a rare chance to take control of an important part of their daily lives. Instead of a private power system that last year sent $187 million in profits out of the country, they're owned by um, non-U.S. companies, by the way, Mainers can have cheaper, more reliable power and help fight climate change. <sighs> At the same time. Had to throw that in there. No, this is why it's happening. Mm -hmm. That's the next thing you'll figure out. These companies have apparently been too slow to adopt clean energy technology. And so the push is to take them over and force them over to green Mm -hmm. stuff. Proponents of public utilities ownership have argued that investor-owned utilities frequently end up in scenarios in which they must choose between profit and addressing climate change and opt for the former, the profit. The incentive structure for private utilities was designed to encourage them to build as much infrastructure as possible. <laughs> what a terrible thing. Oh, God. We need to get as much power uh, to as many houses as possible.
1: Stop. <laughs> what about climate <laughs> change? Terrible! Skip the houses. <laughs> We're all going to die from climate change.
0: That was from Amber Ruther, an organizing coordinator with the Alliance for a Green Economy, who, when she said that, was testifying in her capacity as a member of New York City's Democratic Socialist for America. Uh, but now that incentive structure is obsolete and it's preventing us from achieving our climate That's goals. That's what I just said. Stop. Mm-hmm. Stop
1: giving power to people. We must fight climate change first. And I'm sorry, Susan and Timmy, local lobster farmers. Obviously, they, mm-hmm. we live in Maine. You know, yeah. Um, you know, your house does not get power right now until we fix this whole climate change
0: issue in Maine. You've got like <sighs> socialism coming in the form, and I mean, like seizing the means of production, coming in the form of uh, this ballot vote because of the climate change agenda people are pushing to mm-hmm. take over these companies yeah. i'm not saying these companies we're the are the crazy right.
1: ones who have been talking about these types of things for the last i don't know five years and then when it starts to come true because it's like you can see the writing on the all over the walls in maine if you go maine that it, there's so you much get, writing. there's
0: walls and there's you're saying that there's if you look writing at, all over them if you look at mm-hmm. the walls people carefully in maine. people in maine have backed this up on it they've been seeing the writing on the walls mm-hmm. for a while yeah so many walls with writing on them. Opponents, yeah <laughs> opponents big cursive letters
1: too yeah and i know some people can't read
0: cursive That's which might problem. be the
1: problem mm-hmm. yeah bring back cursive and this is why we need to bring back cursive in schools
0: because people can't read the writing on the walls.
1: Your mom was mm-hmm. onto something mm-hmm. there. Mm-hmm.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Why do people listen to this show? I don't know. I
0: have no clue. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, back to the point. The point I was trying to make. <laughs> the
1: point I was trying to make was about walls, all right? Yeah. No. no. No, but the point was is we talk about these things for a reason. And it's because of stuff like this. Now, just wait until you get to Just wait
0: until you see how well this is going to work, folks. Opponents, meanwhile, argue that if ratepayers are concerned about cost, shifting to public utility ownership would be a move in the wrong direction. Correct. Willie Rich. Yeah, because name something the government does that they are able to do cheaper than a private corporation. Okay. Exactly. Willie Rich, or Rich, as we're going to call him. You know what the worst hospital is in Nashville? Probably the uh, general
1: National. Nash, Nash General. It's the Municipal yeah, Hospital. That's because they're underfunded. That is non-profit. Mm-hmm. They are underfunded thats non profit hmm they do not take a profit. It used to be a good hospital <clears throat> back in like the 70s. 70s yeah. and 80s, it was like the number one hospital.
0: Yeah. Well, we've slashed our hospital <laughs> yeah. budget since then. We just need to send them more money. Mm-hmm. Uh, Willie Rich, Executive Director of Maine Affordable Energy, told the Hill the three main marks against the idea are its cost the years of legal red tape involved in implementing it and the prospect of a new system of bureaucracy with no experience running an electrical grid these are going to be imagine the idea here is that you can elect the people that are going to be doing this who's who are you going to elect like you want your board of people running the power company to be decided based on their ability to get out the vote you know, not on their credentials of running an electrical company.
1: <laughs> Understanding
0: power. Quote, if you wait, if you waved a magic wand and made all the those problems disappear, except for the cost, the cost would still be insurmountable. Rich said, to start with, in order to transition to a publicly owned utility, the state would have to buy out the existing utilities. Maine affordable energy estimates this would cost about thirteen point five billion dollars, while proponents of the initiative estimate the costs at around five billion dollars. This is where the court battle is going to come up because if they try to come in and buy them for five billion dollars, they're going to sue them because when you do a civil no civil asset for what do you call it when you uh, eminent domain eminent domain yeah mm-hmm. um when you eminent domain someone and you uh you you seize this business, you're supposed to pay them a fair market value. The problem is, when do you check to see what the fair market value is? Because before they decided to do this, the value might have been $13.5 billion. After they decided to do this, how many companies do you think are lined up to buy out these power companies right now? The value goes down because... Where, where's the market for people wanting to come in and buy them? It's gone. There's less people that would be interested in coming and buying them now. So their market value has gone down since they started talking about doing this. And so they're going to argue that their value is the value of the company before anyone started talking about doing this and that the fair value would be $13.5 billion. So that's if they buy it for $13.5 billion, that's $500 million a year in interest payments. Now the really fun part about that is that Bernie Sanders just said that these companies sent off $187 million in profits to other countries. And of course, the idea now is that we're going to get rid of these profits. To buy out this these companies, the state will pay just an in interest, $500 million per year, two and a half times the profit of the current investor-owned utilities. Yet they will save money because they won't have to be paying for those companies' profit. Mm-hmm. Yep.
1: So not only will they have to... Well, math is racist, so even if you try to crunch the numbers, you can't because you're white.
0: I don't know why I thought that was so funny. But... <laughs> <so mean>. yeah. <laughs> m mm-hmm. and so they And so
1: not only will they have Are to... Are you saying you want to bring Chuck Shady back?
0: <laughs> they'll have to cut costs... To a point that they make up for this $500 million a year, they're not just gonna have to save like what people were paying for the profits of the corporations. They've now gotta save the $500 million a year that they're gonna be paying in interest just to get it back to even. But here's what I wanna say
1: this is stupid.
0: Yeah. But I,
1: and this could make dumb bleep of the week, yeah, honestly. Yeah. But here's the thing we talk all the time about how basically we have 50 separate countries. I want Maine to do that. Oh, I do too. Please. Yeah. For the love of God, <laughs> do it. Pass this. I want to see it happen. I want, I'm, I get out the yes vote. Yeah. Please, let's run this experiment live
0: in Maine. And it, for Not those here. that
1: live in Maine, please move out because we want you to actually have power um, that's cost effective. Mm-hmm. Um, but for everyone who's dumb enough that actually wants this, y'all stay there and let's run this experiment in Maine. And I mean, what an incentive to get people to move there. (laughs) Mm -hmm. You know, let's send all the, all the communists that live in America. Let's send them Maine. They can set up their little Maine community and we'll see what works out. We'll see how it plays out. Maybe we would be wrong. Maybe a public utility, maybe the worker owned customer owned board owned, whatever people who know nothing about power. Maybe they would do a way better job and we just don't know and And then they can just start to take over everything else, you know mm-hmm. let's They'll, do it. It'll be you know employee owned mcdonald's and and gas stations and everything in Maine. Let's just make it the communist utopia <laughs> that we're that they're all dreaming of let's just let's make maine I think Maine would be a great state to try this out. yes,, yeah,
0: almost furthest away possible. Let's do it. I'm campaigning. Yes. Yeah, I do want to see this. I no offense to people that in Maine that allegedly exist that are listening right now. Um, but I do want to see this happen and I want to see how terribly it goes because it will provide us with something to talk about on the show. Finally. Of course people will say that that wasn't real socialism, mm-hmm. but you know, they'll have all different ways that they'll that be wasn't blaming this. That really Buying yeah. out a a profit somewhere. There's going to be corporate greed that's going to mess up their master plan yeah. of everything, or mm-hmm. they're going to put the wrong person in power that's going to be corrupt mm-hmm. and it's going to be stealing money. And if you just would have the right people,
1: I'm filling um, in. Is this, this uh, is this mail in ballot
0: eligible? <laughs> I'm gonna stop. I'm, oh, I'm fill- sure we can just send in ballots. I'm filling yeah. it out right now. <laughs> can we vote online? Here's the fun part. I'll be from Maine. Most of people's, the people's, the last part before we, before we go, because we have to go. Um, most of the people's bills are from the actual power generation, you know? And these companies, the ones they're talking about taking over, they only handle the distribution of the power, not the power generation. They still get that from like Ontario or something. I don't know where they get uh where they're getting their actual power from, so that part's going to stay the same. They have a lot of natural gas and stuff like that. That's still going to be dictated by market prices by doing that. This doesn't even affect that. It's mm-hmm. only about they think they can do the power distribution so much cheaper than these companies. But what's great is when this worker cooperative or customer cooperative comes in, they are then going to hire. A third-party operator to run the company still afterwards all that's happening is they're replacing these two companies boards of directors with elected boards of directors for the two companies and then they're still going to have to pay a third-party company to run it because none of them have any idea what the they're doing <laughs> at all Great experiment. And the idea that they're going to be able to do it cheaper than people who do you know, this for a living for their whole lives is completely ridiculous.
1: I already feel bad for the people who are going to freeze to death in Maine <laughs> when this passes, you know, because it gets cold up there
0: mm-hmm. from what I hear. I'm sure.
1: You know, it's pretty close to Greenland, I think, right? <laughs>
0: like Costco just said, the third party is going to be people from the original companies. They're literally going to take over the board of directors and then pay the companies to run the companies like they used to run the companies. Mm-hmm. That's exactly what's going to happen because they're already going to know what to do because they're the ones that are mm-hmm. doing it right now. Yeah. They're just supplanting their board of directors. That's it. That's it. And paying them a bit. And they're going to pay $13.5 billion mm-hmm. for it and $500 million a year in interest to remove the board of directors. And somehow,
1: people of Maine, your cost is going to go down. <laughs> you're going to be paying less. Because you're getting rid of the... And, the profit, but the problem is the real reason you're going to be paying less is because you're not—you're actually not going to be able to get power to your house anymore. Yes, it won't cost anything. So it's not going to cost you a thing. <laughs> sure, it will be cheaper. Yeah, it will be cheaper. <sighs> wow, well, you might freeze to death, mm-hmm. you know, but that's fine. If you die, then you—you know—you're not paying anything. You're dead. Mm-hmm. That's yeah, I
0: see how they're gonna save money. just like food is cheaper for the starving people in China. Coming right up, it's everyone's favorite segment of the week. It's dumb bleep of the week. Time to vote on the dumbest thing that was said in politics last week on Liberty at night. This is Liberty Night with Nate and Charlie on the Free Talk Live Network coming at you from Nashville, Tennessee, and it's Dumb Bleep of the Week. It's the day of the week where the live group gets to vote on the dumbest thing said in politics. This is a response to a Ben Shapiro post. It's a response posted by Gretchen Carlson. Gretchen Carlson used to be an anchor on Fox News. I believe she was let go because of her stance on guns. She's not at Fox News anymore. Ben Shapiro is posting a clip about how he won't give up his AR-15. Gretchen Carlson says, ordinary people didn't have AR-15s before 2004. That's when the federal assault weapons ban ended, by the way. Mm -hmm. So before 2004, ordinary people just weren't. Like in all time in the history of the United States, ordinary people weren't allowed to have those. This is someone who used to be an anchor on Fox News. They're not some time honored American tradition, they're a recent mistake that we could fix and save thousands of lives in the process. There are so many things inside of that. You'd have to find the thousands of lives that are killed by our AR-15s and you wouldn't even be able to do that. Some time-honored American tradition. It is an American tradition that the people have weapons like the military does because the whole purpose of us being able to have guns is so we can hold off the tyrannical Mm -hmm. government. So that is a time-honored American tradition. And then there's the whole people didn't have AR-15s before 2004.
1: I mean, Remington has been making 2-2-3s for a long time.
0: The AR, let me see, I believe this goes back to something around 1959 or so, and then they got really popular in the 60s or 70s. I did look up something, just a real quick thing. Two lines of rifles, the ak 47 and Colt's AR-15 became two leading models of semi-automatic military-style rifles in the 1960s and 70s. I do think they came out in the 50s, though, although that could have been something like an AR-7 or 10 or whatever. Thanks to U.S. law, civilians had access only to the semi-automatic versions of these rifles. And they just go through how everyone was able to get them until 1994. Bill Clinton signed the assault weapons ban, which outlawed the sale of AR-15s didn't take away all the AR-15s or semi-automatic rifles that people had at that time. It just outlawed the sale of newly built AR-15s for 10 years, and then the ban expired. Now, they weren't as popular before the ban as a percentage of the guns that people were buying, I actually think that the assault weapons ban had a reverse effect from what people wanted. I think that it made people want to go out and get these rifles after they were not no longer banned. More so than they wanted oh, the to before Sales beforehand.
1: increased exponentially.
0: Yeah. So the the these are sales as a percentage of well actually these aren't sales these are production. Uh, so a percent of U.S. guns produced during that ban. You were more around 3% before the ban. You were like around 2% of US guns produced before they were banned. So, yeah, they weren't even
1: while they were banned, it was still going up.
0: (laughs) And then while they were banned, it still increased from about probably because they were preparing for when the ban ended for about two and a half up to 4% while they were banned. And then from that point on, they really started to, to shoot up. And I actually think that it is because of the ban that these guns became so popular. Well, of course. But uh, Gretchen Carlson is just flat out wrong that people didn't have them before this. No, they weren't as, they weren't as common, but people had them. She, yeah. So. so that was a dumb. <laughs> so that's, uh, that's a dumb. That's part of Dumb Bleed number oh. one. Okay. That's part one of six of do well, number she, one.
1: She made a dumb mm-hmm. and other people made a dumb about AR-15. <laughs>
0: and then now here's the, uh, the fine folks over at the view. Whew. This is them talking after what the a shooting great screenshot. Blow that up. Of course. Saying things. How many opiates is she on? <laughs> wow. Actually, I would guess probably a lot, but I'm just making that up. I have no clue whatsoever. Um, Here's what they had to say. Look at those eyes about AR-15s.
1: Sarah didn't get a chance to weigh in on the uh, topic of what happened in Maine and the AR-15s. Yeah, I, I would love to see an
0: assault weapons ban, like President Reagan. I don't believe they're a sport or hunting um, uh, instrument. It's like shooting fish in a bucket, but that's my. But opinion.
1: also, if you shoot with an AR-15, let's
4: say you shoot it's a deer, you can't can. eat it.
0: What? Okay, hold on. We'll 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 go back a little bit. But yeah. first off. Why does an AR15 make the situation like shooting fish in a bucket whereas another gun wouldn't be shooting it's I
1: only a, shoot fish in a barrel. Yeah. Uh, well,
0: we're talking about buckets yeah, right now. I and don't you really, got fish yeah. in a bucket. To me that pertains more to the environment that you're shooting things in like it's different if you're shooting fish in a bucket as opposed to a barrel or as opposed to the ocean or yeah. a lake or something. So Shooting fish in a bucket, as she said, would be like when you're talking about killing people in a small enclosed space. Like They're all right there, and you can just kind of shoot and hit someone. I don't know what an AR-15 has to do with that. Like, it seems like any gun would work like shooting fish in a bucket in yeah. a small area. Well, except for like a musket. It's like shooting fish
3: in a bucket, but that's my But thing. also, if you shoot with an AR-15, let's say you shoot it's a deer, spear, and you, you can't can. eat it. <laughs> because you basically In addition family. to that, but the hunt yeah. is about in actual difficult.
1: That's actually not true. It's not true at all. If you shoot a deer with an AR15, you're not going to blow it up. <laughs> Just It a- actually make a really small hole.
0: The confidence with which see- she says this. I like know. you if you shoot a deer with an AR15, you can't eat it. You're going to demolish the animals.
1: It's-, <laughs> it's actually not true.
0: Oh OK, then we have Kamala Harris when she's in Australia because for some reason they had her come talk in Australia. and it's really what she says at the end of this clip right here. So let's just start halfway through. To
4: local authorities, and as we gather details, we must continue to speak truth about the moment we are in in our) <laughs> context- <laughs>
0: And the truth about the moment is that it is the moment that we are in. Yes. And it is true. No, Today,
4: now. The leading cause of death of American children is gun violence.
0: No. The leading cause of death are injuries from guns, technically, for children in America, as long as you... Cut off the age at the specific spot. They actually, I I think they go up to eighteen on this one, and so anyway, they start to grab people who are technically adults. Uh, but no, it's injuries from guns, and half of those are suicides. Yeah. So she and says most
1: are handguns.
0: Yeah, she the way most, yeah. way way most of them are are handguns, and half of them are suicides. So when she says the leading cause of death is gun violence. Um, some of that violence is violence perpetrated by yourself to yourself but whatever
4: the leading cause of death of American children is gun violence gun violence has terrorized and traumatized so many of our communities in this country and let us be clear it does not have to be this way as our friends in Australia have demonstrated.
0: All right, so that's the Vice President of the United States talking about Australia. Uh, do you, I always go back to this, Charlie, but at one point in time you were called a fear monger for saying that they wanted to take your guns. Uh-huh. You know? You remember that? Yep. And now you got the Vice President of the U.S. using Australia as her example mm-hmm. for how it doesn't have to be this way yeah. anymore.
1: Right. Uh, That way, they can control us the way Australia government controlled their citizens during the COVID lockdowns. There's one thing.
0: Yep. Yeah. So much easier to control population, and then you got Australia who had like two mass shootings before they got before they did their gun mandatory gun buyback program that they did. Um, Don't quote me on that specific number. I'm probably uh, exaggerating that just a little bit. It was probably one. Um, But the (laughs) the other thing we don't have to go doubled it. We don't have to go into why this would <laughs> work better in a place like Australia, but a couple things you could say, not that we're even going to consider ever doing this in the U.S. or that it would ever even be possible. Uh, if you're going to take an island that has the population of the state of California and say that you're going to control the guns in that population, it would be way easier to do that than in a place that has uh, 10 times the amount of people, a uh, 2,000-mile-long border that's got like 50 miles of fence on it. And, um, you know, it's just way, way harder thing to do. Not that we would ever even consider doing that because it would be impossible in the first place to even try and do. There's freaking 450 million guns out there or Isn't whatever the number Is she just riveting, so, by the way?
1: Like every speech oh she gives.
0: So good. Just, I can't stop listening. She's technically the number two most popular person behind Joe Biden when it comes to who should run for, for uh, president. Whew. All right, then we got this girl, Allie Samarco, 15 seconds here of her spoiling parts of your brain. And so she says that banning weapons of war on the street isn't about infringing on you. It's about protecting you. Mm. So, Imagine
2: you're in a bowling alley with a handgun and a perpetrator walks in with a military-style weapon and a bulletproof vest. There's literally no way you're going to be able to defend yourself. Banning these weapons of war on the street isn't about infringing on you; it's about protecting you.
1: The confidence okay. in which these people speak—yeah, just look. If somebody walks in with a bulletproof vest mm-hmm. and a military-style rifle, even if you've got a handgun, there's not there's nothing you can do. There's literally nothing you can do.
0: So there's one thing. This is a thing. Well, that, thanks, Alyssa. The opposite world. Now, she is pretending like the world that she would create or people that think like her would create is that you wouldn't have your gun. Maybe you'd even have your handgun, but then that guy wouldn't walk in because he wouldn't be allowed to have that gun. Mm -hmm. But the actual world is, imagine you're in a bowling alley and you have a handgun and a guy walks in with an AR-15. And what are you going to do to defend yourself? Her other real option is, imagine you're in a bowling alley and you don't have a gun at all and a guy walks in. With an AR 15. Yeah. That's the real world that she's proposing because the government can't get all of the guns off the street. So I don't like pretending like that's even an, an option and playing that game mm-hmm. with her. Also, there is something you, like it's not like a bulletproof vest is just has anyone ever been killed wearing a bulletproof vest, Charlie? Do you think it's just like, oh, I put this on, I can go into war and not worry about anything? Yeah. Like, no, there's still, there's places. There's places where you can get hit. I guarantee you people have been killed while they're wearing a bulletproof vest, Mm -hmm. okay? And you could even slow the person down or maybe even scare the crap out of them, something like that. She responds because a lot of people said things that we did. She says, literally the replies on this show, how many Republican men actually think that they could actually take out a shooter with an AR-15 with zero training? And what her alternative option is that you stay there and you wait like fish in a bucket (laughs) until the cops get there or the guy decides to leave.
1: Yeah. What's your plan, Allie? You're going to hold small children in front of you (laughs) as you make your way to the exit? Is that your plan? Yeah, I'm glad that these people are outing themselves, though. Yeah. You know? Oh, sure. You just put her on a list. (laughs) A person I would never talk to.
0: There you go. She's on a list. (laughs) Yeah. You made Charlie's list. That's tough to do, you know? Yeah. Matt Gates
1: Do you know how many guns she probably could get, by the way, with the amount of Botox? She oh, yeah. She could have a
0: whole arsenal she could have there. She could have gun safes full of guns. The question, you see, she's not worried about this because her face is bulletproof. <laughs> All right. Number two is uh, Mac Gates.
1: <laughs> oh, I know how much Botox is, unfortunately, because I've <laughs> paid for way too You've much paid of it. for
0: a lot of it. Yeah. Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> Man, Okay, Matt Gates, Go ahead, Charlie. Number two.
1: Oh, so now, okay, so that was all...
0: That was all number
1: one. That was all Sorry. One. Okay. AR-15s. Mm-hmm. All right. Number mm. two, Matt Gates. He says, Israel is a land with a 4,000-year connection to our faith. Ukraine is a former Soviet state. These are not the same thing and should be considered independently.
0: Okay. So, as a sitting U.S. congressman in you're deciding how the U.S. government is going to spend money to fund or not fund wars around the world. You're going to take people's tax money and you're going to decide to support or not support different war efforts around the world. I'm not sure that I'm cool with um, the connection to the Bible being a reason that you would use as a U.S. congressman to decide that one is different than the other. Maybe there are other more strategic reasons or maybe you could just not support either one of them with people's money or whatever. But I do not like the idea that someone who is in the U.S. government literally coming out and saying, well, this is connected to our Christian faith and so therefore we must defend Israel with your money. But Ukraine has nothing to do with our religious Christian faith and so therefore we should not use your money to do anything.
1: Yeah, we shouldn't. (laughs) Yeah. What are you feel like you're ordained by God to (laughs) steal people's money and get involved in a war? It's like, I'm not saying that I'm not for like Israel. I mean, I, I personally believe, you know, that it is the land that Jesus walked, but these people have been fighting about this for thousands of years. Is it my place?
0: I mean, even if you're religious or not religious, I think think there is historical... Uh, fact that it is the land that Jesus walked even if you're you know believe son of God or not son of God but dude named Jesus but does you know
1: is like I don't know I think the gospel is is different than than defending a a land yeah I don't to me it just doesn't make sense how does this further let's let's talk purely Christian here how does this further the kingdom of heaven you know we got to. We got to kill all the people who don't believe mm. and uh, I, make sure that the a certain group of people retain. I don't understand that.
0: Well, it's also a weird thing. Like, it, let's just say that you're looking at this as a Christian. Well, like the people on this land deserve for our money to go towards them to defend their right to life, liberty and property. But the people on the other land, because it's not our holy land, well, they don't deserve our money to go protect them. You know, from from their invasion by by Russia, yeah. just I don't, I, I am not cool with a U.S. strategic military decisions and taxpayer money decisions being based on the religious significance of a piece of dirt on the other side of the world. Yeah, that's 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 not that's kind of dangerous, in my opinion. Because how far will you go to protect that? You know. Yeah. Anyway, that's dumb bleep number two. I don't know if you agree, if that's dumb. No, I agree with that. Yeah. Yeah.
1: No, I mean, and then it's like, so what? The innocent Jews are more important than innocent Ukrainians. And I'm not for either one of them. Mm. I hate war. Yeah. I hate death. I don't, and I, and on top of that, America shouldn't be involved in any of them. Yeah. I am, I am bring all the troops home, kind of libertarian. You know, let's defend America, not, everyone else and it seems as if yeah but we as we talked them. about yesterday israel's in a pretty good financial position to defend themselves and i'm pretty sure that their military is a bit better than hamas last mm-hmm. i checked i mean it seems it seems as if they actually have planes and they're at not least paragliders
0: a, <laughs> we talked yesterday they're at least in a good enough financial position that they should be taking out loans from us and not just be taking handouts from us that yeah that would make much more sense yeah Okay, definitely it's number also, three. Like,
1: and and to Copperhead's point here, like it to me that that's not what the gospel of Jesus Christ's life was about anyway. And actually, most Jews don't even believe Jesus was the Messiah.
0: I think that's part that's and the, and the part Son of, of it, God. By spe- the way, specifically, I'm pretty sure.
1: Yeah. Um, now, I I mean, I I obviously believe that Jews are the children of God. I mean, that's that's very explicitly stated. However, um, most of them don't even believe that he's the Messiah, and it's not. So as a Christian, believing in Jesus, like your, the gospel of Jesus is, is to exude love. Yeah. Love people, love your enemies, you know, love God. It's literally all about love. So I don't think helping Israel bomb a group of people, and I'm not saying Israel can't defend themselves. I, you know, I don't think we should be involved in either one. Yeah. And you're trying to make a case that it's okay to send our money to Israel because
0: based on religion,
1: based on religion, mm-hmm. you know, you should be against both of so them. So if you're not religious,
0: Matt. can you skip out on those taxes? Yeah. Is that cool? And also, are you
1: saying there's no Christians in Ukraine that you shouldn't defend? probably
0: some Christians? Yeah.
1: Like there's no logic. This is the logical consistency is, is off the charts. <laughs> Inconsistency, inconsistency. Sorry, The logical yeah. inconsistency mm-hmm. is off the charts with both the left and the right. The
0: consistency is below the charts.
1: Yeah, it's, it's in hell. <laughs> Nina Turner
0: says, this is dumb in a couple different ways, but she says, if we can afford war, we can afford reparations. If we can afford war, we can afford Medicare for all, blah, blah, blah. We can afford universal child care. We can afford college for all. We can afford universal basic income. Um, so if we can afford those things and we can afford all of these other things, number one, actually we can't, we can't afford Uh. war or the other things, but we are going to find a way to put money into it. Second, uh, the cost of all those things is way more than we're going to spend on the war anyway. And if I was going to, even if I was going to take the stance that like, oh, we can afford to help our friends in these countries, um, you're talking to $113 billion of Ukraine so far and 14.3 is what they're talking about. Uh, which just passed the House yesterday, but not going to go through the Senate. Um, that's not enough to pay for the... Uh, I think they are talking about trillions of dollars worth of reparations is the the number people have come up with, and Medicare for all, of course, another trillions and trillions more, uh, universal child care, college for all, more trillions, universal basic income, literal multi-trillions every single year. Uh, so the... The math doesn't math on mm-hmm. this one either, even if you were going to support what we're doing with war. Yeah. You can look at what we spent in the Middle East for like the war on terror. It's about 10 trillion. It's something like that. Mm-hmm. I've heard seven the 10 in the trillion. Probably more actually. Because well, the DOD lost. Yeah. They're still well, trying to figure care. out
1: their accounting. <laughs> we'll errors. never know how
0: much money's actually <laughs> gone out the window over there yeah. or in the trunk of someone's car. Yeah. But um, anyway, We're lost in the desert sand, number one, we can't afford it because we don't have any money.
1: I mean, just with our current programs we have, we have like over $120 trillion of unfunded liabilities. Yeah. It's on the books. It's a lot, by the way. It's mm-hmm. so, too many. To, that's the 10 trillion we spent on the war on terror. Let's just say it's 10 to make it even. That's less than 10% mm-hmm. of what our current programs are. Not, not adding all these other ones. Medicare for all, universal child care, college for all, reparations, universal. Those are all additional programs. Universal basic income. To what we already
0: have. Alone, you're talking a couple trillion dollars a year for that. And you're talking trillions a year for Medicare for all. Chris Christie is giving a speech because I guess he's still running for president. Uh, That's still a thing that's happening. He's talking about free speech and of course, we've had issues with people saying mean things about Israel, and people saying mean things about Jews. It's
1: 150 billion,
0: yeah, a month, a month, and then it comes out. yeah. I thought so you were doing a yearly calculation. Dollars when dollars a year, that.
1: just in universal basic income, and that's just to the 150 million yeah. taxpayers.
0: But if we can afford to give Israel 14 billion dollars, we can afford 1.5 trillion dollars. You know, you you know. It's the same thing. It's actually, same, same.
1: It, it would be, it would be 1.8 trillion, yeah, every year, just for universal basic income. Exact same thing. And that's only giving 150 million people a thousand bucks a month.
0: Gosh, dang it, a thousand bucks a month. This whole time we forgot that math is racist. Oh yeah, that's right. Yeah. Okay, who cares about the numbers? Coming right up, we're going to finish dumb bleep of the week on Liberty Night with Nate and Charlie on the Free Talk Live Network. Liberty Night on the Free Talk Live Network with Nate and Chuck. We're right in the middle of our favorite segment that's Dumb Bleep of the Week. Let's get back into it. Here's Chris Christie talking and he's upset about people saying mean things about
4: Jews. ...by and turning a blind eye to it. We know that they hide behind the falsity of free speech. There is a difference, everyone, between free speech and and hate speech. There is a difference oh between my free speech and violence. There is a difference between incitement and free speech. And what's going on on our college campuses today is not free speech. It is hate speech. <laughs> what's going on...
0: And people are clapping. On our campuses today is... Did we not just go through a long period of time before this happened where people on the right were arguing that, number one, hate speech didn't exist, and number two, get over it, free speech is so you can say things that people don't like anyway? So mind your own business. Should
1: there be a limit on how many times you can run for president? <laughs> like once this you guy lose,
0: needs, this guy needs all the running he can get. Okay. Once you,
1: like once you lose, I don't know, three presidential campaigns, like you can't run again. You didn't make it past 1% in three different presidential
0: campaigns. Yeah. However, if people want to keep throwing away their money <laughs> towards people, you imagine there are people who donate tons of money towards people's campaigns, knowing for sure that they're, oh, I'm not talking about chipping in 20 bucks towards your local libertarian candidate on something. I'm talking about people giving over tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands of dollars from super PACs and stuff towards people that you literally know are not going to win. But you're really buying <sighs> favors. You're buying favors from them in the other ways that they have power. But no, this whole hate speech thing, all of a sudden, listen, I get it. People have said really mean things about Jews lately over the last few weeks. A lot. We don't like it. Dumb, really dumb, hateful stuff. And they even say stuff about like wanting them to die. Stuff that I've said about socialists. I've never said I wanted them to die. If I wanted to be- do that, I'd just let them continue being socialists. <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't like this idea all of a sudden that now, because you're saying the mean things about the Jews. Now, if you're actually, I guess, incitement, like real incitement, like really, you're telling people, go kill that Jew. That kind of thing,
1: and this is so, mm. and this is exactly why I'm going to re- reiterate the point why we talk about being principled and logically consistent on everything, even though sometimes it's fun. <clears throat> like I got, I will admit on this show that when Ron DeSantis took away Disney's land, that was fun, wasn't? Yes, uh-huh. to, to be like to almost punch back against like the woke. Mm. I
0: never, I was too mad about it to the woke idiocy. idiocy that one.
1: I'm like, it would be cool to have the power to be like, oh, you think you can do this? Watch this. I'll take this away from you. Part of the vengeance in me, my shadow was like, yeah, <laughs> <shadow>. that's awesome. <laughs> but because I'm a principled person, I'm like, that's wrong. Mm-hmm. And now, a lot of all these Republicans crap clapping at this idiot speech, you know, because they, Now want to use what the left was using against them. They want to punch back with the same thing be like, Oh, well this is hate speech. Then if you're going to define hate speech, we're going to define it too. And you get into this political battle rather than remaining logically consistent and principled and saying people can say things. You don't want other people telling you what you can and can't say. So you shouldn't be allowed to tell other people what they can and can't say. And so it's like, you're just going to get into this, uh, this constant battle where the right is going to be using the same taxes that the left is using and all you're trying to do is is plug in your version of morality mm-hmm. on other people versus just being a principled person and saying, "I believe in ultimate free speech,
0: yeah That's, or
1: or whatever the case is
0: what people have I to believe realize, in private property what people have to realize is that different people have the things that they care about. And for the right right now, it's the Jews and you don't want people saying the mean genocidal things about Jews. And I get it, it's terrible. But also the left feels that way about guys who think they're girls. And so when people on the right are out there being super mean about guys who are pretending to be girls all the time and saying mean stuff about how we shouldn't be doing these transitions and stuff like that, that's the same way that Chris Christie feels about people talking about Jews right now. And so at the end of the day, it all comes down to who has the gun. That's it. <laughs> yeah. And they're the ones that get to enforce their morality. I will say Republicans have a lot more guns. Yeah, they do. Yeah. All right. Let's let's move. By the way, there's a community note on there saying that uh, the Supreme Court is consistently and repeatedly affirmed that there is no hate speech exception in the First Amendment. This one we'll do real quick because we got to we got to go. Number, MAGA! dumb, dumb bleep number five, we're not even going to go into the article because honestly, the article barely had anything to do with the title. And you know what people do these days. They come up with the title because that's all that most people read. The title says something that people want to say to other people. And so people retweet or share or whatever the title of the thing. And most of the time, they you end up not reading it. And so the title of this salon article is MAGA. And Christian nationalism, bigger threat to America than Hamas could ever be. And it's really just about a lot of political infighting and things. Now they bring up some of this alleged Mike Johnson guy. I don't think he's real. Mm. And uh, this guy and how he feels about the gays and all that. And so they're talking about Christian nationalism of course, that's a bigger threat than killing gay people. Literally <laughs> beheading so that's, gays. That's a great example <laughs> for everyone. You know, it's funny. When I started talking, I didn't I didn't plan on making that example, <laughs> that comparison at all. Yeah, but yeah, that's a that's one of them. And um, well, would,
1: wherever you live, Brian, why don't you just invite Hamas over to your gay party, Brian? Karim, Karim, yeah. would you say Karim or Karim? Karim. Okay, we'll do that. Just invite Hamas. Invite some Hamas. Apologists, Yeah. Over to your gate, your next gay party that you have <laughs> and
0: see what happens. Oh man. Gay, and then gay see, parties are the best. Though. And then invite some Everyone Christians,
1: invite some Christians, invite some Hamas and some Christians mm. and see which one kills you. See first. who <laughs> beheads who. <laughs> <laughs> who
0: I do don't even think take we take these people seriously. I don't, I don't know, man. You don't, you don't take Well, some people do. That's the problem. Some people think that this is a real thing. Oh, <sighs> Okay, speaking of, uh, let's do a couple things here. Well, let's play a couple videos. This one's called "The Misgendering" for Dumb Bleep Number Six. The first one's actually kind of funny. To be to be truthful with you, it's more of a white pill than a dumb bleep. But I guess the person's reaction. The background here is, if you can't see the video, is that there is a. Guy, there's a there's a biological male that has long hair and makeup on that is trying to do a TikTok filter that like accentuates accentuates your features and makes you like a prettier version of the the picture. And this person's getting really mad that the TikTok filter has decided that he's a man every time. So here's that filter keeps misgendering me. Look, no, no way, no way. Earmuffs. Okay,
3: we're
2: going to try this. <laughs> Hell no. Okay, let's try again. <laughs>
0: <laughs> <coughs> That's a good one.
1: Oh, it doesn't matter how much Botox he has either, <laughs> you know? The amount of Botox you put in your face doesn't decide what gender you are.
0: Okay, and then this is a person that is going around the restaurants with a phone set up and catching all the times that he gets misgendered because he is dressed up in what would be traditional women's garments uh, with uh, curly hair and all that and lipstick on and is getting mad when uh, the misgendering takes place. It looks like uh, he's having a uh, nice feast. she, she, the, uh, she her. Yeah. Yeah,
5: it's okay, it's all good. But it was not all good. Hi. I use she her pronouns. I'm not sir. Oh sorry. Yeah, like it it it's like a knife in the heart. <laughs> I also I did specifically ask ahead of time not to be called sir. <laughs> yeah, I'm just gonna go. I
0: use she her pronouns. <laughs> um sir. <laughs> <sorry, sorry. laughs> I specifically asked.
3: Yeah, okay. the so sweet water starts start start, start, yes, at... Okay. Sir? Not... I mean, not. I, I'm so
4: sorry. I apologize. You're
5: just always like a knife. It always hurts. Every single time. I was wondering if there's a manager I could talk to about something that happened. Yeah, I, I was called sir. Oh, okay. <laughs> it just really sucks every time it happens. I'm sorry about that. I don't need to be called ma'am. Okay. I just need to not be called sir. <laughs> Thank
0: you. <laughs>
2: Did you call me sir? I,
5: I just want to tell you that the person who gave me this called me sir. God, call me sir. Oh, this what a victim! Such a victim. Just like it kind of just hurts a lot to get called sir.
3: <laughs>
5: Very good. Thank you so much. No, oh, I'm yeah. Thank you. I'm not a sir. I just tell yeah, me. just have a good man to man conversation with him. It hurts more. And it's not intentional because it means like this. Did, this is sir to him. I know you didn't mean it, but I'm not a sir. Okay, I'm done
0: with this. <laughs> I'm done.
1: Oh God! All There's right. nothing to even be said. No,
0: you don't, I have don't to say anything. I don't think we have to explain. Yeah, why that's dumb. Uh, um, all right, I'm not a sir. We're gonna go through this one really fast. Also, uh, there was an executive order that we could have talked about more this week, and it is the biggest executive order. This is like a hundred and twenty-something page executive order on AI. It's that not. Definitely uh, didn't write not a law, well yeah, it's not a law, Jack, okay, so look uh, this one is about AI, and one of the provisions very important is uh, advancing equity and civil rights, so they're mm. going to govern the people making AI uh, go ahead, Charlie
1: President Biden has signed an executive order that will that will require AI companies to quote address algorithmic discrimination. You know those algorithms. This from the the order irresponsible uses of AI can lead to and deepen discrimination, bias and other abuses in justice, healthcare and housing. Are you so these computers are mis- misgendering people?
0: There's no telling.
1: The Biden Harris administration has already taken action by publishing the blueprint for an AI Bill of Rights and issuing <laughs> an executive order directing agencies to combat al- algorithmic discrimination while enforcing existing authorities. To protect people's rights and safety. To ensure that AI advances equity and civil rights, the president directs the following additional actions. Provide clear guidance to landlords, federal benefits programs, and federal contractors to keep AI algorithms from being used to exacerbate discrimination. Now,
0: I have to... So, to exacerbate discrimination, and what they mean by discrimination is that you would... For for an AI having to do with landlords contractors, stuff like that, to discriminate against someone, what they mean is it's going to look at the data and it's going to make decisions based on what it's told to do as an AI, like a company says, find me the best landlords. and find me the best tenants for this property. And it's going to look at these parameters. The parameters could be things like past convictions, credit rating. Th- things evictions. like evictions, yeah, evictions, stuff like that, and the AI is going to say, "Well, okay, well, we looked at all this, and it turns out this person who doesn't have all this stuff is better," and so they're going to call that discrimination because there's going to be a disproportionate people that are minorities that are going to be affected by if a computer does what human beings used to do before they would get in trouble for it. Yeah. So that's what they mean yeah. by making sure that you advance equity is not paying attention to the data that's necessary to run a good business in these fields. So,
1: the first thing it looks at though is skin color, obviously.
0: Oh, yeah, it's the first thing. (laughs) No, these are,
1: it's looking at the choices that people have made. Mm -hmm. Literally, it's analyzing choices people have made in their life and whether or not they would be a good fit.
0: Okay, don't bleep number eight. (sighs) Okay. America, this is from MSNBC America has a revenue problem. Blame George W. Bush and Donald Trump. Mm-hmm. Even though the national debt is rising, spending can't be blamed.
1: <laughs> it's nothing to do with spending.
0: <sighs> when jobs are plentiful and business profits soar, that means good news for federal tax revenues. At least that's how it's supposed to work. For 15 years after the Tax Reform Act of 1986 went into effect, that's exactly what happened. Changes in the U.S. unemployment rate were a strong predictor of changes in our federal tax revenues as a percentage of GDP. GDP. A drop in the unemployment rate caused revenues as a percentage of GDP to increase. But since the beginning of the 21st century, a series of tax cuts under the President George W. Bush and Donald Trump have shattered the link between tax revenues and employment. So what they mean is when unemployment goes down, more people are working, which means there's more money coming in through payroll taxes and income taxes. So if you see unemployment go down, you should see tax revenues go up as a share of the total gross domestic product, all the, pr- the production services in our economy at that time. Mm-hmm. That's what they're talking about. But we're not seeing that starting around 2000. And
1: we're not going to look into how we calculate unemployment.
0: <laughs> no, no, we're not going to look at that at all. Okay. Used to, when the numbers went down, the tax receipts as a percentage of the GDP went up. And now when the unemployment rate goes down, the answer is tax cuts were bad. Mm-hmm. Okay. After news that the federal deficit grew Despite a strong economy and r- rising interest rates There are renewed fears about the nation's fiscal outlook With these fears typically come calls to reduce spending But the U.S. doesn't have a spending problem It has a revenue problem caused by tax cuts mm-hmm. Says this person Now they go into these years between 1995 and 2000 uh, The time when the unemployment rate fell The revenues rose from 18% to 20% of the GDP So as we're talking about these numbers, I first have to tell you, I have no clue how they got to this 18% or 20% of GDP. According to the Federal Reserve, the number has never been that high. It's only ever been about 19.5%. The only way that they could do that is if they're taking something out of the GDP, I think, uh, or if they're keeping something now out of the revenues collected. Even the sources that this person provides under the graphs that they put in here, Uh, still provide numbers that don't match what's written down in the article. So I have not figured that part out. When the unemployment fell a similar amount between 2015 and 2019, uh, going from 5.4 to 3.7, revenues dropped from 17.9 down to 6.3. That's the equivalent of taking in, the equivalent of taking in 450 billion less per year. Why did this happen? Because during the same time, the Bush tax cuts and their extensions, and later the Trump tax cuts slash taxes, significantly lower lowering overall revenue, which is not true. The revenue has continued to just go up and up. Um, yep. Anyway, importantly, a disproportionate share of the benefits from these cuts accrued to very rich Americans. You could also say that as the benefits of the tax cuts accrued to people who pay taxes. <laughs> profitable corporations who pay taxes because they're profitable and wealthy heirs to thrones, all the thrones around the, uh, <laughs> around America. Yeah. Um, we don't have to go through why they're talking about the deficit and all that. I just wanted to show you, so you get the main idea of the article. We don't have a spending problem. We have a tax problem. Uh, the taxes are too low. Uh, but when you, I guess we can read the last paragraph. The first step in affecting in change is proper diagnosis Those who look to blame spending to close the primary deficit are looking in the wrong place. If not for the regressive tax cuts initiated under Bush and Trump, we would have been looking at a stable debt to GDP ratio. Any discussion of how to change our fiscal path should focus first on generating additional revenue lost to these tax cuts.
1: Oh, I just hate the they call it revenue.
0: Yeah, (coughs) that part sucks. So there's like a there's a really weird thing that they do here. They show the revenues as a percentage of GDP for twenty twenty three is sixteen point five percent. None of the numbers back up this number. Uh, the number is actually a little over nineteen percent. That's important because it undercuts the entire idea behind their article. even the they gave a um, they gave a source for this, and the source said nineteen point two percent. Or whatever it was. So I, I don't know where they're just deciding to cut something out or put something else in and come up with sixty and a half. That's important because the entire argument makes no sense because according to the Federal Reserve, we are currently at nineteen, a little over nineteen percent right now with our uh tax revenue to GDP, tax receipts to GDP right now. This is something that we talked about like a month or so ago. Mm-hmm. That's important because uh, historically we sit around 17, half percent and we're actually at a height right now that we've only hit four years for four years in the history of the United States. That's the amount of money that the government is taking out of the productive economy through some type of taxation. And we are actually a little over 19% right now. Like I said, there are only four years in US history where we are at 19% or above. What's also going on right now is we are at 24% of our GDP is getting spent. So we're spending 24% of our GDP and we are taking in 19% of our GDP in taxes. So I had no clue what this person's talking about. Charlie brought up the very first thing that you should look at when they... Their idea is that, well, the unemployment rate went down and we should be making more money and we're not, therefore blame the tax cuts. The thing is, and I
1: love the last paragraph when it's like, it has to be a proper diagnosis. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Well, your diagnosis is wrong,
0: but they don't talk about the labor force participation rate, which is what you should actually look at. So they talk about the unemployment rate going down in, uh, nineteen ninety five to two thousand the labor force participation rate was around sixty seven point something behind my uh amazingly placed circle that I put <laughs> on the graph sixty seven point something and then uh during the other time they talked about, which was twenty fifteen to twenty nineteen I believe we're around sixty two point three or something sixty two and a half uh around that time, so I know that those numbers don't sound really. Really different people
1: stopped looking and stopped um, they and stopped well, they stopped working and stopped looking, so now yeah. they 're no longer accounted well in unemployment which means unemployment goes down
0: yes and <laughs> so you can 't just say that that's automatically going to equal taking in more money because the unemployment rate going down does not mean that a bigger percentage of the labor force is working it just means that they 're not counted as unemployed yeah. anymore and so it 's just a And for someone to come off so freaking pompous and better than all of us and properly diagnosing the problem and all of that, to not bring in that simple fact right there, that the year they compared it to the year 2000 was the highest our labor force participation rate has ever been in the history of the United States. And right now we are back down to uh, the 70s or 60s or something like that with our labor force participation rate. And so no you can't just use the unemployment rate to diagnose the fact that we have a revenue problem. Look, I'm not
1: saying I I will also let me be clear here and say that like if okay if you have a business or your household, your household and you have a debt problem or or something happening, uh looking to increase revenues is not a bad thing to do. Sure. So but the problem is the government steals money. Mm-hmm. So
0: That is a problem when when
1: they're looking to increase revenue. It's the, how much more theft can I get? But if you're in your house or a business or whatever, obviously if you have a solvency problem, then you're going to look to increase revenues and cut spending, but you Mm -hmm. got to do both. Right. Otherwise you go under.
0: Yeah. It's not like the credit card company says they call you and they're like, Hey, your, your bills like, wait, we need you to pay this bill. And you're like, no, no, I've got a revenue problem. Yeah. Like, no, we need yeah. you to, you got to get this. You're Talk spending. to my customers that aren't spending money. Yeah. The bank, the <laughs> bank calls and said, listen, your spending is out of control right now. You're, you got deficits every month right now. And you're like, no, sir, bank, tell her I've got a revenue problem. <laughs> they don't care. Right. You got to spend less money. That's the answer. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Um, get the votes in, get those votes in real quick. We got AR 15s for one. Number two was, uh, Matt Gates's Holy War. Number three is Nina Turner. If we can afford anything, we can afford everything. Number four is Chris Christie's free speech. Number five is uh, MAGA Hamas. Same thing. Actually, MAGA is worse. Number six is the misgendering. Number seven is AI equity. And number eight is our revenue problem. Go to the Dumb Bleep voting channel mm-hmm. and get those votes. There's really not in. much to say
1: because I don't want anyone to join the Fed Haters Club no. by going to join gnml.com because uh, I don't want your money. Honestly. You don't want it? Nope. Mm-mm. Don't need it. No. We don't have a revenue problem
0: here. No, we don't. Uh, <laughs> no, we don't need more revenue.
1: The money's flowing in like honey on milk. <clears> you know? That's... Don't go pick up a t shirt at godhatesfeds.com either. Definitely yeah, not. There's no reason why you want to no. do that. Sounds like Nate's going to be creating a new one. Um, that's really an old one. Yeah. People want to buy it from us. So Ron Paul was right. We're going to make it. T shirt. So if I you wish want, you
0: do that for everything. You guys want a new iPhone? I'll make one of those too. Exactly. You can buy it from us. That way you don't buy it from anyone else. Yeah.
1: Don't buy it from <laughs> communist Apple, you know? Um, and don't leave us a rating and review or share the show. That's the way I feel about it looks like uh we have a tie oh the tie's been broken misgendering
0: wins the misgendering is the winner of this week if you want to get involved in the voting process make sure you go to joingml.com. that's for our podcast good morning liberty that we do every single day of the week this is called liberty at night when we're talking to you at night But you want to go to join gml we'll see you again next tuesday night on the free talk live network